The following is a presentation of AOW Productions. This program contains adult content. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed by the host of this program do not necessarily state or reflect those of this station or its management. Bringing you controversy at its best with uncensored music, comedy, and political discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Outlaw Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Outlaw Radio for the 13th of August, 2022. I'm your host, Bad Billy, and I got a great show lined up for you, as I normally do. Yes, indeed. Now, I do apologize for not having a show last week, uh, just uh, some circumstances that were out of my control, and even after I had all the segments, uh, the interviews, recorded and everything, but uh, I couldn't uh, finish up on the final touches. But uh, here I am this week, and I will definitely uh, give you what was meant to be last week. So, the first hour, doing an interview with Roger D. Miller. Now, if you remember Cliff Miller, I interviewed him twice, once in 2018, and recently at uh, Highway 30 Music Festival. Well, uh, that is his dad and uh, somebody I've known my whole life. But uh, We have a conversation, talk about his music, talk about his life growing up. Yes, indeed. Second hour, I'm speaking with Colonel Chris Wyatt, or I should say retired Colonel Chris Wyatt, and talking about uh, stuff going on in South Africa. The third hour, we have the Steve Solution. Before I get to any of that, I want to cue the first song of the show. Here is Roger D. Miller with Country Boy. I'll be back with the interview with Roger right after this. And we go a little something like this. Hit it. And now, from a rented basement, because Bad Billy's mom threw him out, it's Outlaw Radio.
thrill seeker rocking out to the station i hear you you're probably even sipping on a drink right now an average blah blah drink in a can or bottle one that doesn't quite hit the spot for you i'll bet you want something different don't you something more take your shot with cold cock whiskey the best whiskey anywhere why because it's different from other liquors cold cock whiskey is herbal whiskey 100 all natural herbs blended with aged american whiskey no more morning after sugar hangovers from other liquors. With Cold Cock's blend of herbs, including green tea, hibiscus, ginger, eucalyptus, and more, you'll be in herbal heaven. Cold Cock Whiskey, available at spirit stores and distributors America-wide. Find one near you at coldcockwhiskey.com. Follow Cold Cock Whiskey on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Celebrate those special moments with friends. Raise your glass. Take your shot. You must be 21 or older to drink Cold Cock Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. Because there are some people out there who need practical advice. And yes, I'm talking about you. Wisdom beyond value from the desk of Mr. Holland. People go to the bar hoping for two things, to get hammered or to get nailed. Ooh, is that Mr. Holland? Yes, ma'am. Please don't touch. Americans are builders, improving on the old and creating something better. But every brick we lay has a foundation, and that foundation is the freedom to speak out, to be able to dare and to criticize and to think. Freedom of speech is the solid ground on which our nation lays, and without it, the structure of America cannot stand. Never forget the First Amendment. Never forget the ground on which we stand. This message brought to you by the NAB Education Foundation and the Broadcast Education Association. So you go into your sporting goods or firearms store to get that gun and ammunition you've been wanting to buy, only to find out that the store doesn't have it. Worse yet, the shelves are bare. They're empty. Ugh. Well, that's why there's GunBroker.com. You want it? GunBroker.com's got it. Guns, gun parts, ammo, ammo storage, reloading equipment, binoculars, scopes, sights. Did I mention guns? Pistols, rifles, handguns, shotguns, machine guns, paintball guns, archery supplies, tools, jewelry, watches, even musical instruments and gear. Yes, GunBroker.com has those too. I'm telling you, they have it all. There are even auctions where you can bid on certain items. The folks at GunBroker.com know their stuff. They've been in business for over 20 years with over 6 million happy registered users. Why not become one of them? GunBroker.com. Go there. Check it out. Register today. It's 100% free. GunBroker.com. GunBroker.com. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to announce that Outlaw Radio officially has affiliated with My Patriot Supply. Are you prepared for the next unplanned emergency? As we speak, inflation is rising and the grocery store shelves are stocked less and less every day. The time to prepare is now. Go to www.outlawradioabs.com, visit the store section, and click on the My Patriot Supply banner and purchase yourself some buckets of delicious gourmet food with a 25-year shelf life. You can also purchase other essential supplies you can use during times of unplanned emergencies. Supplies such as the Alexa Pure water filtration system, first aid and medical supplies, solar power supplies, and much more. Again, go to www.outlawradioabs.com, visit the store section, and click on the My Patriot Supply banner. Don't be left in the dark. Get yourself and your family prepared for the next unplanned emergency today. Hey, I'm Nick, and you're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we say what the fuckity fuck we want. No exceptions. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard Country Boy by Roger D. Miller. Yes, indeed, he is somebody I have known actually my entire life, and I've seen him perform many, many times. You know, watched him uh, bring out his guitar uh, at random or or play for family, play at weddings, play at uh, all kinds of stuff. Like I said, I've known him all my life. It is my pleasure to welcome Roger to the show. How have you been? Good. <laughs> yeah, good to have you here. Good to talk to you. And I think I I should have uh, should mention uh, for the listeners as well. Um, I've had uh, Cliff Miller on the show twice, and both times your name is has been mentioned. So here you are. <laughs> so, Thanks, Billy. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, you know, just to uh, in, enlighten our listeners a little bit here. A lot of the songs that uh, you have written yourself, not the ones you have covered, um, a lot of them are are based uh, on uh, right around your child life in the area you've grown up in, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's one song I want to talk about in particular. Uh, you you wrote a long time ago, and I'll play it in the uh, upcoming set. Uh, a song called Porter Creek, but. Porter Creek is uh, is just a bit more than the name of a song to to you. That's like a piece of paradise. Yes, uh, that's where I grew up for about eighteen years and uh, lived right around along the creek and loved every minute of it. Yes, indeed. One thing I do want to ask you about that song, though, is what I remember. Um, you wrote that song after your first son Tavon was born, and of course you had. When you first wrote it, Tavon was uh, mentioned in that, and then after Cliff was born, did you, uh, you changed the lyrics a little bit, and you said, my son, in place where you said Tavon. Was that because you wanted to make it uh, less biased towards Tavon after Cliff was born, or what was uh, led to your decision to do that part? Well, I of course, I after Cliff was born, I wanted to include him, too, on the, on the song, you know. And that's why I changed it to uh, from Tavon to my son. Yeah, to make it less biased, more or yes. less. Yes. But uh, overall, you talk, you talk about uh, Porter Creek itself is not mentioned in the song. It's just the title of the song. But overall, what uh, would you say 
uh, were the main inspirations behind that? Well, as I grew up as a child on there, you know, we fished and built dams in the creek, and, and uh, you know, it's just a, just a beautiful place. We, our closest neighbors when I was growing up were about a mile away, so we were pretty free to uh, run up and down that creek and do as we liked. <laughs> and what a life that must have been. Uh, no Internet, no Xboxes, no technology. And uh, obviously, the the best part, no obesity can uh, come from that. Right, you know, and we, uh, you know, we we had a big family and and uh, lived in an old house that uh, had no uh, inside plumbing. You know, we had the outhouse out back. You know, then and uh, but it was just a way of life for us. You know. Oh, absolutely, and. You know, I, I look back at it. A lot of people may look at it. They look at the way the Amish live in, in uh, back east, you know, and they they think, oh, that must be an awful way to live or whatever. But uh, if you even remotely tried giving up your conveniences and, and tried living like that, uh, who knows what can come out of it. But uh, then, then again, I, I don't know about this generation, Roger. <laughs> If, I don't think they could well, do it. <laughs> we, well, we were taught, you know, we, we had to carry water from uh, the creek, which was about probably four or 500 yards away, to heat on the stove, to uh, cool for drinking water, and to take baths in, you know. So we learned to work hard, you know, from a very young age, and we grew a great big garden, you know, so everybody uh, had food enough for, there was 11 in my family, probably the last few years there's four or five but you know it took a lot to uh heat us all so we all worked hard together to make it work absolutely absolutely and i mean obviously uh the you know that's shortly after the depression and and uh, the u.s economy at that time was going pretty good uh you know during during the 50s and after world war ii but uh, even even uh in that time when the U.S. economy was booming without inflation like we've got right now, uh, still, I mean, not every family had it, had it that easy, including yours. No, not at all. You know, it's a, a big family, and, uh, you know, back then they didn't have school buses, you know. We had to be driven to school. We shared rides with neighbors and that kind of thing, you know. And, and my mother would teach us how different plants that we could eat. You know, as we walked down through our pasture at times, and there was a lot of fruit on the place, so we always had a lot of fruit to eat, and she taught us how to eat some of the wild plants that were that grew along the creek. Gotcha, gotcha. And and you put all this uh, all this into your lyrics, too, uh, when uh, based on, a, I'd say, many of the stuff written, too. And obviously, your dad, um, he, he had a tremendous work ethic, maybe... Some would say, would look at his schedule and probably thought he he overworked himself, but uh, you know at that time he had to you know to to keep everybody fed obviously, but uh, staying busy was just something I think he got used to. Wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah, and he he taught me a lot. He taught me to work hard, and and that's why I'm a a businessman today, and I'm successful because my my father teaches me to work hard. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, 
So, uh, you know, getting focusing more on uh, your music and all that. Uh, when did you, when was it that you decided uh, that you wanted to pick up a guitar? You wanted to learn to play. You wanted to sing. About what age do you think that kicked in? Well, I first started singing with my older brother and sister who played in in bands. So I first started singing. When I was probably five or six years old and loved music and singing my whole life. And I used to uh, I started playing in bands when I was fourteen. And uh, then a band would break up, and there I'd be with nothing to do. So when I was 25 years old, I picked up a guitar and taught myself to play it oh, uh, over two winters when I was laid off from working in the woods logging. And after the two winters, I could play it fair, you know. And then we put a group together and started playing in Boise, Idaho, uh, five to six nights a week. And we did that for, I think, six years, five or six years. Yes, yes. Uh, these were the early days when, I don't know, you were in a few different bands. There was one called Homegrown and another called Brother Trust. And, of course, the one uh, that uh, I, I'm most familiar with, of course, Jerusalem Sweetwater. Now, for the listeners, do not confuse that name with Israel, even, even though that's the same name as the city, but uh, there's a part of Porter Creek I've I've never asked you about this, Roger, but the, a part of Porter Creek they call the Jerusalem Valley, right? Yes, yes, it's been called that for a long, long time. Yes, and that's where we got the name Jerusalem Sweetwater because the the Jerusalem Valley and the Sweetwater that ran down the creeks in Porter Creek was how we came up with the name. Gotcha, gotcha. That's what I I've been thinking about that for for a long time and have been meaning to ask you that question. For I don't know, I'm maybe twenty years. I don't know, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But um, well, now now I'm asking it on air, so I think I think it's a good time to ask. Um, but uh, growing up and and becoming a, a a musician, what would you say? Who would you say were your early inf influences growing up? My first influence was my father. Uh, we used to get together, the whole family, at Christmas time, and he never played an instrument, but he sang us songs all the time, you know. And uh, I, I learned a lot of those songs from a young child and just loved hearing me sing and singing with him, you know. So that's where it all started when I was very young, listening to him sing to us. Yeah, yeah. I think I remember uh, you've talked about that a time or two, and, uh, of course, I, I, I think even... Even uh, long after retired, he, uh, I remember he'd, he'd sing to uh, all his grandkids, Tavon and Cliff, and, and uh, you, you know, your brothers and sisters' kids. Yep. He, he kept that going uh, up to the very end, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he did. <laughs> uh, matter, matter of fact, I wrote a song about him, you know, and uh, how he sang his songs till the day he died. And, uh, yeah, he was a great man. Yeah. Yes, he was. I'll never forget to uh, um, this. The one time uh, he, him, and I were chatting a little bit, and he told me he told me his real name, and I didn't believe him because it was the it's the same name as a nearby town. I'm like, no, Emmett's not a name. That's a town. <laughs> it seems like, yeah. no, my name's Emmett. <laughs> like, right? Because yeah, because I didn't believe that was a name for a person. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah, but but well, when I was when I was at first in school, a teacher when I was in the first or second grade asked me what my parents' name was. You know, and this might seem kind of silly, 
But, you know, all I knew them as was mom and dad. And I thought, to, I was going to say to the teacher, well, what their names is mom and dad, you know, because I never dared hear their, hear, their, hear their real names much, you know, as a little kid, you know, because I was number 10 out of the 11 children. Yeah. One of, one of the younger ones. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then uh, other influences, too. I know you absolutely love Roy Orbison. You absolutely love the Beatles. Um, um, I'll, I'll let you uh, name off some of your favorites. Well, you know, Merle Haggard was one of my favorites, too. Uh, you know, back in the rock and roll days, we'd done a lot of stuff like Grand Funk and uh, people like that. Uh, but those were the ones that I liked the best. Was uh, Roy Orbison was my very favorite because he had such a uh, wide range of vocal, you know. And uh, you know, he I actually I cried when he died. <laughs> yeah, he he was extraordinary in his own way, and 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 he he owned his own style, basically. And yeah. I mean, you know, and of course. I mean, I, I myself, I like a whole variety of different types of music, but if there's one that uh, I just absolutely relax to and, and get myself lost in, it's, uh, it's blues where, you know, Roy Orbison kind of comes from that background, you might say, of course, um, probably my favorite of all time was probably Stevie Ray Vaughan, um, uh, of course, who was uh, heavily influenced by Jimi Hendrix, and of yeah. course, I mean Jimi Hendrix. It's like he set he set the the way for people like Stevie Ray Vaughan and for people that are in hard rock and heavy metal as well. You know, he he really stamped his own legacy too. Yes, he did. Yeah, he he was a uh, one of a kind. Uh, the way he sang, the way he played the guitar, and everything was. Uh, and that's why he was so great, because the people that play and sing different than everybody else are the people who uh, everybody wants to hear and see because they, they have their own style. Yeah, I mean, looking back at uh, Jimmy Page, the only one I've ever seen uh, other than uh, uh, Albert Frost out of South Africa, but Jimmy Page was the one to bring a violin bow to the guitar and then... Of course, uh, the drummer of Led Zeppelin, John Bonham, he's the only one I've seen play a drum set with his bare hands. So, yeah, these yeah. these little things are just amazing. <laughs> well, and, and the, the Eagles was one of my favorite groups, too. I think the Beatles and the Eagles were probably my two favorite groups my whole life, you know. Uh, I wasn't much into really, really he heavy, uh, I call it a headbanging rock and roll, you know, but it came along when I was much older you know and uh as you get older you know you, you tend to uh like the stuff best that you grew up with as a teenager you know in your early 20s oh i've i've been learning that lesson as i get older too roger believe me <laughs> yeah i mean i listen to i listen to the stuff my daughters listens to and i'm like oh this is giving me a migraine turn that off <laughs> right Right, you know, and that's, you know, I my son, Cliff, he played a lot of that kind of music, but Talon played with him in a, a band that they had, and uh, they they played a lot of that stuff, and they were good. I supported them. I went and, and, <laughs> and to listen to them as much as I could, uh, but they sang really well together. Uh, they just went both different ways with their lives, and their kids 
after that, you know. But they, to me, their harmony sounded a lot like as close as the Everly, Everly Brothers harmony. And that's another group that influenced me when I was young, too, is the Everly Brothers and Patsy Cline. I used oh. to sing a lot of Patsy Cline tunes when we, when we played in bands. You know, I look at Patsy Cline as a big in- inspiration, especially to women, because uh, you look at uh, especially uh, rock and roll today, and, um, you know, it seems like it's taken a really, really a long time to for women to get recognition in rock and roll, to be honest with you. I mean, there, yeah, there, there are some that... Uh, that that have come along throughout the years, the '60s and '70s, uh, you know. And there's uh, Janis Joplin, but you know, none have had the even Janis Joplin didn't have the recognition that Patsy Cline did in country music. It's like she was she brought along, you know, came into a male dominated world and stamped her own legacy there and stood out big time. And that's what I like about Patsy Cline the most. Oh yeah, and she had a beautiful voice. I had an older sister that could, could uh, was I think was almost as good as Patsy Cline. And of course, you know Willie Nelson wrote a lot of the songs that she did. You know that uh, like Crazy, uh, that were very well put together tunes. But I like Bonnie Raitt really well too. She's she's really a class act. Oh uh, no, that's when I talk about that blues that I can get lost to right there. Bonnie Raitt's one of them that. Uh, that fits that category, I'll tell you that. Um, yes, and, yeah, she's she's very good and and what uh, very well respected guitarist too. Well, I mean, she plays guitar as good as she sings. I mean, so it's amazing. Yes, yes she does. Um, only female I've ever seen use a slide too. I mean, um, I'm sure others have, but she's the only one I've ever seen do it. So, yeah. Yeah, she yeah she per, she perfected that as a woman. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, uh, yeah, she 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 was in, in uh, both tributes to both Roy Orbison and Stevie Ray Vaughan too. Just, uh, just yeah, just to talk about talent right there. You know, I haven't heard anything right. much from her as of lately, uh, but uh, I, I'm last. Last I heard, I think she is still active, though. Well, she actually was here in Boise a month or so ago. I didn't go. I didn't get to go uh, see her because I'm kind of a country boy, and I don't like great huge crowds, you know. So I uh, <laughs> watch her on TV when she comes on. <laughs> yes, yes, and uh, of course. Uh, one song I, I got to talk about too. Obviously, you you said you written uh, one song about your dad about him singing his songs, which I know which one you're talking about. But uh, the one uh, that I I want to talk about is uh, "Mama and Papa, We Love You," which was actually uh, also um, that was recorded on a vinyl that you did a long time ago, um, and uh, just really really well put together. And that's where you. You mention Horseshoe Bend, Idaho. You don't really mention Porter Creek, but you you know you mention the area you, you grew up in. You uh, you bring up a little bit of the bad times. You bring up the good times. That song. To, so overall, talk talk about writing that song and uh, how it all came together for you. 
Well, you know, I wasn't. I just had learned to play the guitar, and and uh, I love my folks dearly. And I was sitting down one day and and thought about the songs my dad sang to us. And my mother was a excellent cook and and just a real loving woman. You know, I think I don't think she ever had an enemy. But one day I just sat down with my guitar and started putting that song together. Actually, it was the first song I ever wrote, and uh, I just remembering the things that they did for us and the way life was and that's how i put that song together yes yes oh and i i do have to ask you know when when, it, when your dad wasn't working which uh that's kind of when i i picture your life through my eyes which uh, is tough to do because i can't i'm not you obviously but uh, talking about uh, you know your dad on on his free time singing songs and all that, but growing up in that area, I mean, uh, obvi obviously, uh, I'm sure he he knew how to have fun too, especially growing uh, living out there. Oh yes, you know he worked really hard. But I don't know about oh two or three times a year they had huge dances down in the the Horseshoe Bend Community Hall and. Uh, him and mom would go down there, you know, and he loved to dance. And he'd dance with all the ladies in town, swing around the corner corners, and you know, just had had a really good time. But most of his life was working really hard. See that part, I did, I I didn't know that he 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 was a uh, a dancer. I didn't. I never knew that. Well, yes, and before we moved here, actually came to Idaho in 1952 from from Iowa. And uh, he used to call square dances back then, you know. But that here there was uh, it was a whole different uh, group of people and what they did, you know. Absolutely, <laughs> of course. Uh, I rem I remember him though. He'd complain about Idaho a little bit uh, co compared to Iowa because obviously that was his home, you know. Um, and and uh, I'm sure he had his reasons for leaving home, but. Uh, from the tone of his voice, you, you knew he missed it. <laughs> well, he really did because Iowa was really fertile ground, you know. And we came out here. We uh, were uh, we had three hundred acres that he could farm and raise some cattle. And he thought, boy, on three hundred acres, I can do great because in Iowa you can because it's all rolling hills and trees and lots of fertile soil. And he used to call uh, Idaho nothing but rock and sand. <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, but he, you know, he made it work, and obviously, uh, you know, I've seen the gardens you've grown in in that Idaho dirt. So there's got. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, and, he had a lot of he he had a lot of hard times after he moved here. You know, he broke his back at sawmill uh, twice one year, and oh my and, goodness, uh, and he was never able to work really hard after that. You know, uh, I was the oldest boy at home when I was about 11 and when he broke his back. And so I had to take over a lot of the work for him because I had four sisters right above me. I was the oldest boy at home. Yeah. Uh, but he, he taught me well, and I did the best I could. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, I don't know. I, I know he he had that stubbornness about him, too. If uh, I know he wanted to keep pushing. That that much I remember about him. He's, he, he would have that stubbornness to keep pushing uh, and obviously he for the sake of the family he wouldn't uh, push those limits to the fullest but uh you know he'd test himself yes he did a lot of determination you know and uh uh i've been in business for 45 years now and uh i i 
it all came from what he taught me and how to work hard as it, when I was when I was young, you know. And his determination, because it takes a lot of determination to stick with something and and make it come out as productive on the other end. Oh yes, yeah. <clears throat> Having that, uh, <clears throat> excuse my voice. Having that kind of determination, and also, uh, somebody said that uh, I I got this from you is uh, when I start a task, not only do I stick, do I have the determination to stick with it, but I make sure it's done right. And they said I, they they credit that to you that I that I well, have that nice. trait. <laughs> yeah, that's nice, Billy, to hear that. <laughs> yeah, so I I have to assume that's what you must have got that from him. Oh, yeah, I did. I did. You know, I just uh, keep working hard and keep mm -hmm. at it and keep at it. And, and uh, I work a lot of long, long, hard hours for a lot of years to uh, be where I am now today. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> of course, uh, I'm, I'm trying, I'm going to try not to reveal your age here, but uh, of course, how long do you think uh, it was uh, your performance? I, I know that uh, you're not performing to this day anymore, but uh, still, uh, you stretched out a long time. There are times, oh, you'd stop performing, you'd get the itch. A few years later, you'd hit the stage again, you know. Well, I think, you know, I started when I was 14, and uh, I'd, I'd done a couple of talent shows before that when I was 10 or so, and you know, I was 14, I was, it was the first band I was ever in, and uh, from then until I was about 63, I played a lot, you know, and uh, uh, I loved playing music, but then I got arthritis, and I, and I can no longer play the guitar, so that's what kind of stopped me, and uh, then, you know, you get old, you get things like uh, acid reflux, and my voice wouldn't left me for quite a while, you know, it's just, mm -hmm. It's a lot better now, so that's why I finally stopped. I still love music, but I just can't do it anymore, you know. That uh, father time catches up with all of us. <laughs> yes, it does. It's one thing you cannot change, <laughs> and you can't hide from it either. No, you know it's kind of like the weather. You know, they can. It just keeps changing all the time, and you keep changing too. And there's nothing you can do about it. And unfortunately, some of these times have changed for the worse, but uh, that's another subject for another time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, but uh, do, you, do you think there's ever that possibility where uh, um, you're not going to feel that, that, uh, that agitation in your hands or uh, anywhere else in your body and, and, and maybe once again... Uh, you're gonna you're gonna pick up a guitar and play for family, or just even even to yourself, perhaps. Well, you know, I keep hoping that you know, and I every once in a while I pick up a guitar and try to play it, but the arthritis in my fingers is so bad I can't you know I can't control them like I'd like to. So, but I was I hope that someday, and I try to eat right and everything, and and so I can kind of uh, curtail this arthritis, you know, because I'd love to I'd love to record the rest of my songs. I only only two that I ever recorded. And back then, there was only one little recording studio in Boise, Idaho, and, and uh, there was a lot more opportunities now than there was then. I'd like to finish the songs that I recorded, the songs that I wrote, just for my for my family, basically. Yes, yes. I mean, I know there's uh, 
that I, I got I said I'd help you with too. I know there's a lot of old uh, cassette tapes and reel to reels of uh, uh, Jerusalem Sweetwater performances and things like that. And but uh, you know, it's, it sounds like uh, still. I, I never asked you. I never about this. I never even heard about it before. But so you've got you've got more un, unfinished business you'd like to get to before uh, it's too late. It sounds like. Yes, you know, in the early days, uh, uh, my wife Lorna she sang with me a lot. We would do a lot of things, you know, family get-togethers, and actually when we played in Boise with the Jerusalem Sweetwater Group, uh, she was she sang with us for the oh the first couple of years. And uh, then when Tavon, she got pregnant with Tavon, she got so she couldn't get any air because she got so big, so she had to quit, of course. Mm -hmm. And uh, she would come back once in a while and set in with us for a, a set or two. And she had a beautiful voice, too, and just put a really nice, sweet uh, sound to harmony to our music. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I, I hope you get that opportunity. I mean... Uh, you know, it's it'd be something I'd like to add to my music collection. You know, I've I've, I've I'm I'm happy for the little bit that I have, but uh, if you can get more, damn it, I hope so. <laughs> well, I'd really I'd really like to the one I'd like to record the most is one I wrote uh, for my dad because I've sang it in different places, you know, and and uh, at, you know, coffee shops and things and and. Uh, it a lot of uh, pits a lot of people in tears yeah. you know when i sing that song and so that's that's what you want to do with in my mind what you want to do with your music you want it to move people like that and when you get through playing a song and then you see people that are crying you know because of the the song you know it, it well then it moves me you know it makes me feel like i've done something that was was uh pretty good yes yes well i mean to me it's it doesn't really move me in that sense, but uh, you know, it puts together a story that uh, you know that 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 you're telling. And of course, I got I got the pictures in my mind of you know of uh, how how it was for you growing up and uh, the things you you've done as a kid, whether whether it be fun or whether it be miserable. You know, I mean, I I can. I can easily uh, put that together in my mind. Now, can I live it? I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a whole different world than it was then. I mean, everything's a lot... Uh, well, it's right at your fingertips anymore. It's all a new technology, you know. Yeah. And back then it wasn't, you know. Uh, it, but it was, a, it was a wonderful life. If I could go back and live all those first years all over again, I'd do it. That's one thing I do want to ask you about is, you know, some technology has changed over the years. As we know, some for the better, some for the worst, of course. I mean, if somebody really wants to put their name out there, they want to, they want to do it. They, you know, they don't have to go somewhere like New York or Los Angeles like they, like they used to. All they got to do is use something like Adobe Audition or, uh, audacity or something like that and uh you know and and send it in an email of course uh, that and that has that has changed the industry so much o overall uh f for you you know when uh you try to get what little bit out there that that you could i mean i mean how was it done for you exactly i mean even even getting to the studio uh for those two songs that you did 
Oh, it was it was really tough. You know, it just wasn't the way to get uh, to get things out back then. You know, uh, like you know, like uh, all the internet and everything. Now you can put all kinds of stuff on Facebook, and of course, you didn't have that back then. And so, uh, you know, it just was almost impossible unless somebody came along and and listened to you who really liked your music or liked your song, you know. And and in Idaho back then, that was uh, didn't happen very often. You know, it's kind of funny too. It's um, I was recently I, I bypassed a uh, Facebook post and it said uh, mentioning only bands. Tell us, tell us uh, what state you're from. So what did I put? Paul Revere and the Raiders. You know, and that's uh, one of the, one of the very few that I think of that made it really big out of Idaho. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I I don't know of of just thinking offhand of anybody else that has. Although, uh, and there's a lot of great musicians that I met and knew, and and when I was playing all the time, you know, that I wondered why they didn't ever get anywhere with what they were doing because they were so good, you know. Uh, I they're a lot better than me, you know, but. Uh, I, you know, I just don't know how, uh, why more of them didn't get out there. Now, uh, I think some of uh, uh, the Braun brothers uh, were really popular in Idaho, and some of their sons have gone on and done pretty well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean. Uh, oh, Mickey and the, let's see, what is it called? Mickey the, and the Motor Cars. Yep. And the the right. other one's called uh, Reckless Kelly. I mean. I mean, that success really didn't come as any surprise to me because, um, obviously, as kids, they were featured on Johnny Carson uh, twice, once with Jay Leno, once with uh, Johnny Carson. And, um, you know, and then they uh, go on and they move to Texas, of course, af after uh, why you would want to leave a place like Stanley unless you, unless, uh, you want that city life. Otherwise, Stanley's definitely not the place for you. Um, well, you know, and that their dad, you know, they their mom and dad raised them way up, and uh, you know, thirteen miles up the Anchor Fork, <laughs> and they, there was a song about it, you know, above Sunbeam Dam, and uh, they they had, I think they grew up with not much, you know, electricity or any of those conveniences, and their dad just taught them all to play, and they sang and played music all the time, and and so they've been doing it their whole life, you know. I mean. Well, you mentioned earlier how how you grew up. There was no indoor plumbing. I mean, but I I think uh, you grow you growing up. I mean, you said every no, every now and then you had a TV or a radio, so you had electricity. They didn't. They they actually had less than you did. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, I think um, Muzzy still lives that way. The only high tech thing he has is a car or a truck or something. Yeah, probably. You know, and then. Uh, but his brothers, Billy and Bobby, they used to have a group, you know, called the Braun Brothers, and they were really, really good. Yeah. But their parents also played music. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, like I said, you know, the success of the Braun Boys, uh, Reckless Kelly and Mickey and the Motor Cars, uh, yeah, it just came to absolutely no surprise to me that uh, when, when I discovered who they are, you know, and... I mean, when I started this very radio show that I'm doing right now, I mean, I was living in Ohio the first time I launched it, and I got I got to tell you, that's where I I've seen out there in the Midwest, the uh, probably stretching from Iowa all the way out to Western Pennsylvania is uh, you know they have all kinds of uh, local music, 
Um, we're talking so thick, rich in local music. You can find it anywhere you go, but uh, that's probably where I found it the most was in the Midwest. And I ask, usually when I ask them why, they say, well, there's nothing else to do in the Midwest. So Right, yeah. Um, Actually, I went on a deer hunt back there a few years ago in Kansas, and I got there a little early, so I stopped at a convenience store, and, and I was talking to this lady that worked there and telling her about Idaho and all the things we do, you know, and, and she said, boy, that sounds really good. She says, here in Kansas, all we do is go to church, go to kids' football games, and grow corn. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Sounds about right. <laughs> yes. But... uh Wow, time does fly when you're talking, uh, Roger. That's all the questions I have for you. I want to thank you very much for joining the show. Um, I'm about to hit a five-song music set where I'm going to play both those songs that I have by Jerusalem Sweetwater plus three more of your songs I have solo from you. But uh, again, uh, thank you very much for your time on the show and your enlightenment. Well, thank you, Billy, too. You uh, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely. All right, you take care. All right. Bye. Bye. And there you have the interview with Roger D. Miller. Yes, indeed. Going to go to our first music set of the show. Got three more songs by Roger. And, of course, uh, two of his songs with his band, Jerusalem Sweetwater. Be right back after this. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my balls. You're listening to Outlaw Radio, and if you don't agree with our opinions, then fuck your mother. Hey, do you kiss your girlfriend with that mouth? Your ears 
What is it trying to say? Can you hear it pray?
course you've been died a hole What we had ahead of us Only God could know Dad worked 18 hours a day To try and grow a little cow hay And hope that he could keep our bellies full Rest 
gun. I've been working all week in the noonday sun. The woods in the kitchen and the cows in the barn. I'm all cleaned up and my chores are all done. Take my hand, baby, come on along. Let's go out and have some fun. Come on, darling, put a pretty dress on. We're gonna go out tonight. There is no other feeling than strapping up or grabbing those kettlebells, grappling on the mat, or doing some shadow boxing, getting knocked down, getting back up, throwing strikes, and then doing it all over again. So when you hear someone scream, gear up, you better get ready, because it's just you, your hunter athletic gear, and the voice telling you to train harder. No matter how much experience you have, hunter athletic gear stands with you all the way. Their products are engineered for utmost comfort, protection and speed battle after battle hunter athletic gear is the brand celebrating your victory hunter athletic gear has a range of great training and fight gear for men and ladies including compression pants fight shorts hoodies vests caps and bikinis they can create custom branded ranges for your gym or business visit their website at huntermma.co.za gear up and let's train What news and information are your media dollars buying when the narrative is prescribed by the advertisers? Scripted lies, media brainwashing, and thought control. Take back your voice. Take back our media. But most of all, take back our First Amendment. Subscribe to Caravan to Midnight today for hard-hitting commentary free from political correctness and media bias as I and some of the most intelligent and interesting people on Earth delve deep into what really lies beyond the headlines. Three to four hour uninterrupted and uncensored information. Join our CTM family today. Join the movement. Join the fight for freedom and independence. Caravan to Midnight is media for the people, by the people, independent of commercial obligations or influence. For less than a cup of coffee per month, you can make a difference. Let the people fund the next news network. Help us grow. Help us create a platform where we place freedom of speech and thought first. Join the family at caravantomidnight.com. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment of the United States of America's Constitution. This Second Amendment, the right of law-abiding Americans to privately own and possess firearms, is under attack like no other time in America's history. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have pledged to take away your Second Amendment rights through gun bans, gun confiscations, and government regulations. Even a gun tax do not take this lying down. 
The time to take action and fight to protect your Second Amendment rights is now. Join the Second Amendment Foundation, the oldest and largest nonprofit foundation focused on protecting your Second Amendment rights. For more information, to join or to donate, visit saf.org. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, CEO of MyPillow. Cancel culture has not only affected myself and MyPillow, but also millions of you out there. My employees and I want to personally thank each and every one of you for all your support. At MyPillow, we have hundreds of products now, including my new slippers, bathrobes, sleepwear, and my new beds. We are offering the best products ever for the best prices ever. Mike Lindell is a true patriot who loves America, and we support Mike. Please visit MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener Specials box and use promo code OUTLAW for all Mike's great discounts. Or call 1-800-652-3982. And remember to use promo code OUTLAW. And now a message for the men. Listen up, guys. Fact. As we men age, our IGF-1 growth factor levels decrease, which can lead to gradual deterioration of energy, muscle growth, and immune function. From Neutronics Labs comes a line of health supplements that make men men again. Deer Antler Velvet. Listen. IGF-1 Plus Deer Antler Velvet contains the most concentrated source of widely diversified nutrition found in the plant or animal kingdom. Choose from Neutronics Labs liposome spray product. From the Ultra 10,000 Nanograms Package to the Platinum 300,000 Nanograms Package. There are also specially formulated supplements for joint pain relief, more energy, better stamina, better natural sleep, stress relief, and weight loss. For more information about these amazing products, visit keys2life.shop. That's K-E-Y-S, the number 2, life.shop. IGF-1 Plus Deer Antler Velvet Supplements from Neutronics Labs. Making men men again. Yo, baby, you've had your asshole licked by a fat man in an overcoat? Fuck the shit, fuck the fucking shit, fuck shit. You're listening to Outlaw Radio. Now buy a sewing machine, take it home, and cram it up your ass. Fuck shit, the shit, fuck shit. Shit, fuck. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Cold Cock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take your shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, Gear Up, Let's Train, and Neutronics IGF-1, Making Men, Men Again. The songs you just heard, you just heard Roger D. Miller with Dance, Dance, Dance. Before that, Jerusalem Sweetwater with Partial to the Country. Before that, Roger D. Miller with Engine Number 9. Before that, Roger D. Miller with Mama and Papa, We Love You. And starting off the whole set, Roger D. Miller with Porter Creek. Yes, indeed, it was good to have him on the show and uh, introduce him to the rest of the world, um, even though he is uh, definitely not well known. So, yes, indeed. Uh, moving on uh, here in a little bit, it's time for Outlaw Radio World News with retired Colonel Chris Wyatt. Before I get to that, it is time to reveal the Outlaw Radio Idiot of the Week. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the Outlaw Radio Idiot of the Week this week. Well, I don't know the real name of the person, but the handle on Twitter is at gal underscore suburban. Uh, 
has some kind of problem with John B. Wells, wants to make sure he gets canceled, uh, reported his YouTube channel and got a strike on it. Basically trying to make John look like a racist, the same kind of crap they do to Trump, same kind of crap these progressive liberals like to do to uh, any conservative because they don't share the same uh, point of view as they do. Well, we can't get our heads that far up our asses. So, Anyway, enough on that. It is time for Outlaw Radio World News. Here we go. Outlaw Radio World News. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this edition of Outlaw Radio World News, I am joined once again by the Colonel, retired Colonel Chris Wyatt. How you been, brother? Quite well, thanks a lot. Uh, I see that uh, we're keeping the the, uh, the newfound tradition of Beards Lives Matter going. <laughs> damn right we are. <laughs> I don't plan on shaving. Uh, people are pestering me about shaving, and um, I will soon be fulfilling another one of the um, criteria that I put in place before I shave my beard. So either I'm going to have to just tell people to hit the road or, or shave it off. We'll see. Um, come uh, December, we'll see. It'll be two years in December I start growing. So <laughs> That's quite, quite an impressive beard, too. <laughs> Yeah, people love it, and I and I, I, you know, I mess with it every day, and of course, I pull hair out, you know, keep it, you know, healthy, that sort of thing. So, yep. yeah. But I don't, I don't use beard oil or anything like that. People are like you don't use beard oil, and it looks like that. I'm like, nope, it's just how it looks. You know, it's um. So I um, mentioned I'd been in the army 36 years, and somebody said, you know, why your beard's like that? And I said, no, I guess genetics. They said, no, no, it waited 36 years to grow out. <laughs> That's, I'll believe that. <laughs> yeah. So. Basically, uh, the topic of discussion is uh, South Africa. Of course, uh, I'll never forget the first time I heard of uh, Julius Malema. And that that was uh, after the first interview I ever watched to him was right after Zuma was forced to step down and uh, Ramaphosa was, uh, had taken over the office. And uh, there, there he is talking about uh, about Jacob Zuma, saying uh, this this is the first step. The next step is uh, he's going to jail. Of course, uh, yeah, that eventually happened. Just didn't happen uh, as soon as soon as it did. But uh, I'm looking at it, he's I'm looking at Julius Malema. He's saying some things that uh, I might agree with a little bit, but I'm getting some suspicion that. Uh, he is also not a good guy, and sure enough, a few weeks later, I found I find out. Yeah, he's not a good guy at all. He's singing uh, "Shoot the Boar" and dancing. He's he's popping off rounds in in the air during uh, his parties and things like that, and uh, basically has been tried to trying to incite violence and or he says a uh, revolutionary. And then of, of course I heard. I heard the one infamous phrase, we are not calling for the killing of white people, at least for now. That's and, true. Now, that's him. I've uh, been following him a lot longer than that, ever since he was the so-called inconvenient youth in the Afghan National Congress Youth Party. Then he rose to be in charge of it, <clears throat> which seemed like a silly idea, and it was. <laughs> and uh, at the time, 
He rose to fame by backing Jacob Zuma and saying that he would lay his life down the line for Jacob Zuma. He's our president. He's our, you know, and he went on and on. And then, of course, um, that really didn't get him quite the traction he wanted. He had bigger ambitions. So at some point, he turned against Jacob Zuma when other people started piling on Jacob Zuma for all the corruption that was going on. So as ever, the political opportunist, Julius Malema, or Juju, as we call him, decided that um, his star was no longer hitched to the wagon train of Jacob Zuma. And then he turned on Zuma. Uh, He's just a charlatan. He's a a race baiter. He is a reprobate. He is a blusterer. He acts like he's uh, accomplished something in life. All he's accomplished is fooling people and bilking money out of people to pay for his luxurious lifestyle while other people go hungry and die of starvation in South Africa. He is beyond useless and people give him all kinds of oxygen and it's a shame because he's a dangerous individual people who are not very bright listen to him and believe what he says contrary to the evidence on the ground and they act on that he exhorted his followers to attack a pharmacy brand a chain in south africa called clicks which is kind of like boots in the uk for those in the uk but it's a similar sort of pharmacy called clicks and he exhorted his followers to go out because a manager who worked for Clicks had posted on their online website an advert for hair. And it was from an advert that was done in France for Tresemme, the French shampoo brand. And that advert um, had a less than complimentary comment. It was a bad hair and had a picture of a black woman with bad hair. So people extracted that and said, oh, black people evil. You're a racist. The problem was it was a black manager. Um, customers saw it and complained within like three hours the day it was posted. They removed the advert, but he uses an excuse to say that Clicks, which by the way is owned by black South Africans, majority black owned, Clicks was racist. And because he knows that his followers are too stupid to realize it is owned by black people, but it gave him a way to get attention. And he sent his followers out. They attacked 43 Clicks locations, including one that used a Molotov cocktail and thrown into the store. Um, uh, threatening, menacing elderly people who'd gone to the pharmacy to get their life-saving medications, you know, their 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 diabetic medication, their heart pressure medication, their blood pressure, all that stuff. And, and so they couldn't get their medication and then they destroyed millions of dollars worth of stock all for a business owned by Black South Africans and an ad posted by a Black South African from a European ad. And they responded appropriately. Were, people complained and they took it down. That was fair enough. But they made a whole big deal about it. And um, that's just kind of the clown this guy is. And he's also exhorted his followers to burn farmers out in, in October of 2020 at a big uh, gathering in Senegal in the Free State. He told his followers, um, well, they, he sang with his number three in his party, to burn the boar, burn the boar out. Of course, boar is an Afrikaans word for farmer. And within 96 hours, 92,000 hectares of prime farmland and homes and, um, and workers' residences were torched in the free state, causing tens of millions of dollars of losses. Tens of thousands of, of, of animals were killed by these fires, wild animals plus livestock. And one farmer was reported dead from third-degree burns. I think he survived, but it was horrific. Uh, no charges laid against him whatsoever. He's fired a weapon into the air in a crowd, a rifle. And then um, he claimed it wasn't a real rifle. And they changed the receiver in it to deceive the police. He has not gone to prison for that. He assaulted a police officer, a senior serving police officer and police force, physically attacking him at a funeral for Winnie Mandela. He's yet to pay a price for that. He is a dangerous criminal who is yet to be convicted and put in prison for his crimes. And the tolerance of lawlessness in South Africa it's a perfect example of it, and that's exactly who Julius Malema is. You know, just uh, going to what you were talking about there, the uh, shampoo ad showing a, uh, a, a black woman with uh, 
not having such a good hair day or whatever. I, I never seen it, whatever, but uh, just uh, briefly shifting gears here to the United States. And uh, one individual uh, I like a lot, and I think he's hilarious, is uh, Terrence K. Williams. I'm sure you've heard of him. Uh, it's been a while. I haven't heard that name in a long time, but yeah. Yeah. So um, since uh, the cancellation of Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben's, uh, Terrence has decided to uh, put out his own brand of pancakes out there called Cousin Teas. And, of course, he's making sure that his face is on it, just like Aunt Jemima's used to be. And uh, he is right now under heavy scrutiny of doing that. They're saying... They're saying that it's racist. He's he owns the company and he's putting his own face on his own brand, but yet how is that's racist? Well, that that's the language of uh, the uninformed progressive idiots who can't think cogently and can't form a lucid argument. So the bottom line is this. Let's just run through a list of some of this nonsense. Aunt Jemima, a stunningly attractive woman. It used to be a, a, an obese woman who was still nice looking, but they modernized it. And they paid the actor who provided that image for it. And they made money off it and became famous. But it's a beautiful Aunt Jemima. What, but they don't like the name Jemima. There are people named Jemima today. So are those people racist because that's their name? Um, they claim that the image was derogatory towards black Americans. I found it to be quite complimentary. And everybody's uh, pantry in America had Aunt Jemima syrup in it for the most part. And you'd see a black face every time you had breakfast. And it was a positive image of black. Let's go to Land Lakes with Indian Maiden. For a century, they had a beautiful Indian Native American on the Land of Lakes because Minnesota Land of Lakes, you know. So what's what's racist about a very attractive Native American woman? Well, it's cultural appropriation. There's no such thing as cultural appropriation. All cultures appropriated. There is very little original culture. Everyone is, is cross sprinkled and other things. People originate the same ideas in different cultures. I find it hilarious to find black women in America attacking white women for having braids in their hair. Is braids African? No. Heidi had braids. Germans and Vikings have had braids in their hair for thousands of years. It's not specific to one group in Africa, and it's certainly not a black thing. It's a human thing. The stupidity of cultural appropriation. How did people forget You know the phrase that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery? It absolutely is. People gravitate towards things they find interesting. There's a guy who's going around right now. He's doing these TikTok or or one of the other channel videos, and he goes dressed up in cultural stuff. He went to Chinatown in D.C., and he said, um, and, he, and all these progressives, oh, man, I'm going to kick your bank. And, you know, oh, you are so insensitive. What, what's wrong with this? Well, you, you, you have no right to wear that. Why not? You know nothing about that culture, as if the person making the statement actually knows something about the culture. So all these uh, mostly privileged, elite, rich, white people running their mouths, knowing nothing about what they're talking about. So he goes and asks Chinese Chinese people in, in Chinatown. So what do you think of my outfit? Oh, very nice. Very nice. Very, very considered. Very, you promote my culture and ask all these Asians, what do they think of it? Oh, it's beautiful, man. You have a nice outfit. Only these progressive lunatics are the ones that have an issue with it. Renaming the Redskins is a disgrace. The Washington Redskins wasn't derogatory to Native Americans. And Native Americans called other Native Americans Redskins. It wasn't simply something Anglo-Saxons applied to Native Americans. It's insulting to change it. And the worst one was Central Michigan University. And that's is this one of I think it was Central Michigan. One of the one of the Mid American School Conference schools changed their name. They changed or no, it was, it was not them. It was the, it was Miami, Miami. Those are the Chippewas. They've kept their name. Sorry. University of Miami, which is in Ohio, changed their name from the Redskins to the Red Hawks. The Red Hawks. There's no Red Hawks in Ohio. What is that nonsense? 
there were Redskins there. There were there were Native Americans there. So it's just it's insulting beyond belief. And it's done for a tiny fraction of the population whom other people try to claim the mantle of responsibility for. It's like trans the trans issue right now. We're talking about less than one tenth of one percent of the population of this country. And that's probably an exaggeration for those who have genuine gender dysphoria, not kids who've been indoctrinated and thinking that they're boys when they're girls or girls when they're boys and do grievous harm to their body. I'm talking about the actual small number. And you have thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of lunatics running around professing their concern for trans. Oh, by the way, whatever happened to the gay and lesbian community, that's actually five percent of the population. Oh, we don't talk about them anymore because it's not LGBTQ. It's LGBTQ T. T comes in there. Give me a break. It's just nonsense and this cultural appropriation. I'm sick of it. It's nonsense. I don't buy Land Lakes anymore and I don't buy Aunt Jemima. They can stuff it. If they're going to be so insulting to insult the integrity of black Americans, Native Americans by taking off one of the few positive images, positive images of a black woman and of a Native American woman, and they eliminate it because their asinine concept of what racism is, screw them. And I hope they fail. I hope they got a business. Sorry for the people who work there. Well, go woke, go broke. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's it it's it's insane what this uh, what this has come to, and I think I've got to quote uh, one of our uh, brothers in the Bearded Patriots, that being uh, Jericho Green, where he's he he doesn't say LBGTQ, he says the Alphabet Soup Group. Yeah, no, well, actually, I don't say that. I say LGBTQ, Element of PXYZ, Alpha, Sigma, Beta, Pi, November, Mandarin, Chinese characters. It's just asinine. It's ridiculous. You know, these people, the same ones who claim to care about these communities, the same ones that attack them. Remember a couple of years ago, it was progressive lefts who came out and, and they this didn't get much traction because people were really offended by it. Uh, Lindsey Graham is a homosexual. Uh, they tried to out Lindsey Graham. I don't know if he's gay or straight. I don't care. None of my business. Why would you try to out someone for your own political gain? And aren't you supposed to be caring about people, about their life and, the, and their, their psyche and their harm? These people are vile. They're detestable. They're not progressive. They're regressive. They claim mental progressivism, which means to advance, and they're actually regressive. They're taking us back to a time in which everyone's at each other's throats based on sexual orientation, gender, ethnicity, pig, skin pigmentation. This is who these people are. And they throw stones at conservatives and most conservatives i know are people of integrity of people of faith in many cases and people of faith don't attack other people for the most part they they have empathy for other people people dealing with difficult things i've never met a christian a true christian that has gone on a crusade to eliminate homosexuals that's ridiculous but i've seen progressives out homosexuals and attack people for even mentioning the, con the concept of homosexuality they're frauds every one of them from barack hussein obama right down to the man drinking average joe biden himself Yes. Yes, I agree. One other thing, too, from uh, Jericho Green that uh, I think I'm going to have to steal it from him, but uh, he, he uses the phrase Ku Klux trans. Yeah, it's it sounds sounds about about right by the way they're acting. And, uh, you know, as I I did a previous video of how they're, you know, you're not allowed to use the term grooming on Twitter anymore. Or you're going to get purged because. Uh, I groom every day. I brush my hair, I brush my teeth, and I brush my beard. It's grooming. And I can't say that on Twitter. Get stuffed, you clowns. Oh, no, because uh, people... Oh, I, I, I know why. I know why it is. I'm, I'm being facetious. Yeah. But I'm serious. We, we groom every day. This parsing English language, this nonsense of 9,000 genders in idiotic... Uh, by the way, um, uh, my name is Z, and I go by the pronoun frog. And let me use that in a sentence so you know how to address me properly. Z, frog, this. 
Confused? So is the rest of the world in English-speaking world. <laughs> Try that in German. It doesn't work. German has three definite articles, der, die, and das, which become der, die, das, der, and des, and den, and der, and dame. You can't do that. It won't work. Germans are already confused by their pronouns. Do you try to throw this nonsense in? Only in the wealthy, affluent Anglo-Saxon world full of leftist, woke, hate-wanking libtards do we have this stupidity going on. And people tolerating it. I've got a family member who's got a got a, got a, got offspring that's that's playing this stupid game right now. And and I I I broker no no patience for this whatsoever. Um, your responsibility as a parent is to raise that child. And if they come and tell you that they're, they, you know, you have to call me this. No, that's not what your birth certificate says. You want to change your name when you're 18, go to court and change it. But for now, your name's dipshit. We're moving on. <laughs> yep. There we go. There we go. Yeah. So anyway. So, uh, yeah, I was uh, get, getting back to that. Uh, this this recent interview, I was listening uh, to Julius Malema uh, on uh, BBC. And of course, I'd, I'd say that. I like how that that reporter. Um, I don't. I know that uh, BBC, of course, they're a part of the uh, lamestream libtard media and uh, like to like to twist the truth and tell their own lies. But that whoever that guy was that uh, interviewed him didn't didn't back down and uh, and was not in not at all intimidated and not not afraid to call out uh, Malema for his bullshit. And yeah, that's, that's that's true. But at the same time, Malama knew exactly what was coming. Either he figured it was coming or someone tipped him off because he didn't hesitate to give his bogus answers. He just came right off, came right off his tongue. He wasn't really caught off guard. Um, the fact that BBC even talked to him about this issue, I found reprehensible. Uh, they're giving him oxygen, which is unnecessary. During the lockdown in South Africa, the, the EFF and Joseph Malama pretty much disappeared. They sat at home, lived off the wealth of others, enjoyed their big screen TVs and their sex parties and whatever else they did. And they offered no ideas, no solutions because they weren't suffering. Meanwhile, people were dying and starving in South Africa, going bankrupt, losing their jobs, businesses collapsing by the tens of thousands. And Malayman and his little cohorts and his economic freedom fighters were suffering not at all. Of course, the same party full of senior officers who robbed the VBS, the Venda Savings Bank, which was a bank created for black South Africans in poor parts of the northern part of the country. And they looted it of millions of dollars. And they've yet to be prosecuted for it. And in the meantime, too, we've heard nothing from Black First Land First, nothing from Ndili uh, and Thama. However, I, that's a name I can't say correctly. And I'm not I don't care if I butcher it anyway, because he's an asshole. You yeah. know, I have nothing from Lindsay Massdorp, nothing from that crazy lady who who. Uh, paints her lips purple um you know i guess well, the, well the guptas are running out of money and that you know because they're running off the budget uh, courtesy of the guptas there you know well the, the the two gupta brothers are about to be extradited back to south africa they're in prison in dubai they're held in prison so we'll see if they actually come back but that's trying to they're trying to do that now no um the, the, you don't hear anything because it's all a fraud it's all a scam this is all meant to further their progressive or as i prefer to say regressive agenda and that is to i mean just take a second to think about this i mean we're safe to talk on this platform it's not part of one of the social media tech uh censorship platforms correct damn right Okay, so let's be clear about this. YouTube. Let's be clear about this. So ever since the Chinese unleashed the Wuhan 
virus, because that's what it is. You name it after where it's first identified colloquially. That's why it's Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. It's Lhasa Fever. It's Marburg. Because trust me, Marburg, the Fila virus, didn't come from an evil German town. It came from the Congo, and it was brought there by a Belgian doctor who was exposed and sick, and he spread it all over. Legionnaires was named after American Legion Convention because that's what's first identified. Wuhan is the name of this. Not COVID, not H, no, 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 not Omicron. It's freaking Wuhan. That's how we do this. It has a scientific name, but it has a, a colloquial name. And Wuhan, ever since the Chinese unleashed this on the world, and I'm not making the claim that they intentionally used biological warfare, but by unleashing it on the world, it's because they covered up what's happening in Wuhan. They let three to five million people escape from the city before they even let anybody know that was happening. And they spread it to Shanghai, to Hong Kong. It got on the cruise ships. It spread like wildfire. They unleashed this garbage in the world. And what has happened in the ensuing two plus years, two and a half years? This is what's happened. The world has been remade in the image of the totalitarian communist Beijing state. We see a Afghanistan and Iraq veteran retired UK soldier arrested on a Sunday for a perp walk to intentionally intimidate others from speaking out because he retweeted that meme of the bizarre looking pride flag that was made, which is like LNMAPQXYZ, not just the rainbow flag, but all this other crap thrown like somebody took a dump on it. And he took that flag, which was created for this year, and some guy made a meme with a swastika out of it. Because it looked like a swastika the way it was angled and everything. So yeah. he made a swastika. And that's become famous all over the world. Um, people being sarcastic about pride. You know, I mean, pride has gone from being the month of June. Now it's June, July. It's into August now. We got people wearing rugby jerseys in August for pride. Pride was in June. Where's my German-American month? Where, where's my Rotary month? Where's my Eagles month? Where's my Hungarian-American month? Where's my Ghanaian-American? They don't exist because it doesn't fit their category. Anyway, so this just utter nonsense, what's, what's going on here. Um, and I got off track there, what I was talking about. Sorry. <laughs> Yikes. No. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's, oops, just started raining here. We've been wait, we haven't had any real rain in a month. We could use it. Must be climate change. Oh, that's where I was going. It was the progressive nonsense talking about this stupidity. But the Wuhan flu, Every country. So back to the veteran. So this veteran that 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 tweet he retweet. He didn't write the tweet. He didn't make the graphic. All he did was push retweet on Twitter. Somebody who obviously doesn't like him contacted the police in the United Kingdom and said that the image made them feel anxious. So on the basis of that, they sent police to his house on a Sunday. Yes, uh, we're here to take you to the police station for what? Well, you made someone anxious on Twitter. Okay. Um, what are you going to do? We're going to arrest the police station. Well, I'm going to call my lawyer. So the police left. He called his lawyer. The police came back with multiple police cars and half a dozen officers. They took him outside his house. They argue with him. They got all snotty with him. He's like, I haven't committed any crime. What do you, you, you must tell me. And they, there's a lawyer there. They must tell you what the offense is they're arresting you for. They can't just simply take you away like the brown shirts did in Germany. They must tell you. And, and they couldn't state a legal offense that he did. Like, well, you, 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 you made someone feel anxious on Twitter. That's not a crime. They're circumventing the law in the United Kingdom by arresting people for not committing crimes because someone's feelings are hurt on Twitter. Talk about a wuss pansy society. Unbelievable. And a violation of his rights. So this guy, they, they, they put him in cuffs right in front of his neighbors on a Sunday so it can be seen. Then they walk out to the corner and stand around for about five minutes. And the guy's still recording the whole thing, you know, denouncing them for what they're doing, calling them brown shirts and SS and Nazi Waffen SS and all that Waffen SS and all that. And they're doing this to intimidate all his neighbors or to damage his reputation like he's some sort of pedo that's being arrested on Sunday. This is going on all over the world. I talked to someone yesterday here in Pennsylvania who, whose husband's co-worker was fired because on Facebook, he loaded a video of him testing a new rifle he purchased at the range. Someone complained 
at his, to his employer. His employer fired him. By the way, that's illegal. You can't do that. But I guess he said to heck with it. He didn't want to work that place. He went on and found another job. But this is happening hundreds of thousands of times in the Anglo-Saxon world. The part of the world that got us the modern concept of liberty and freedom and our, un, our unalienable rights. Ever since the Magna Carta first imposed limits on the monarch in 1215 in England, that has been where the Western world, led by the Anglo-Saxon world, has gone to. And now, in the course of two and a half years, this is... Animal Farm. This is 1984. This is Sovietesque. I'm waiting for them to round people up and take them to camps and execute them. And if you think I'm being dramatic, I'm not. Australia has already put people in concentration camps. In the Northern Territories, a woman last year who we didn't even have COVID, she was in a building and a co-worker somewhere in the building tested positive. And we all know how unreliably stupid tests are. So on the basis of that, they went to her home and arrested her. And then took her to a containment camp. And if she stepped off the porch, they threatened to arrest her and lock her in prison for years. She lost her job. No empathy for her. Her job is gone because she was gone for three weeks. They tested her every freaking day for three weeks. She never had COVID. Lost her job. Locked her in a prison camp. This is happening. That's illegal, by the way, in Australia. They don't have the right to do that. I don't care what health emergency they invoke. Same thing in, in New Zealand. Jacinda Ardern, or as I prefer to call her, Mr. Ed, you know, with her overbite there, Mr. Ed put police outside hotels, forced people with COVID into the hotels around other people, and then put armed police outside the building and made you pay for the hotel. And then they said, oh, we have the answer. We have solved COVID. We don't have COVID here. No, you got a lot of BS there. You need a freaking pitchfork to clean that horse manure up. Yeah, break. Well, it reminds me of the uh, meme that I saw years ago. It's a picture of uh, Barack Hussein Osama or Obama. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, it says violates the constitution fuck it do it anyway well that's what he did i mean well but yeah. but not, let's not just pick on hussein, hussein obama uh they pretty much all do this they they yeah. circumvent the constitution with executive orders which by the way carry no weight in law beyond the executive branch of the federal government the executive branch can't issue an executive order for congress and say that you must have these standards for access to classified information only congress can do that same the judiciary. The Supreme Court justices can't be dictated by what the executive branch says the requirements for clearances. They create their own standards, which creates its own problems. But but the bottom line is that the executive branch only has authority in executive orders for everyone that works in the executive branch and the property under their control. That's why Trump could do nothing on Capitol Hill. That's Congress. That Capitol Hill does not belong to the executive branch. It belongs to Congress. They're responsible for security there on the 6th of January, not the executive branch, not the Department of Defense, not the National Guard, the mayor of D.C. and the sergeant of arms and the speaker of the House and the majority leader in the Senate. So that would be, of course, the time Mitch McConnell, the, the uniparty Republican and Nancy Pelosi. They're the ones that failed on January 6th because they didn't have a police presence there. And I have it on video so you, people can lie about all they want. I have hours of video footage to show what actually happened that day. Yeah. Anyway, so the point here is that is that the executives have been violating these these their 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 charter and what's allowed in the Constitution, this document right here, for a century. Ever since King Franklin Delano Roosevelt, they just pass or they they circumvent the Constitution every chance they get. And now they use the excuse of public health. Now the U.S. is on the verge of declaring monkeypox a health emergency. This is horse manure. Who's getting monkeypox? Men having sex with men. Ninety-eight percent of the cases. So how about taking a vacation and stick your schwang in your pocket for two weeks and not interact with someone having sexual relations and it'll burn out. But no, we have to have a health emergency. Next thing you know, we're going to have to have masks for something that isn't transmitted through the air. 
transmitted through close personal contact contact this is ridiculous and oh by the way i don't care i've been vaccinated against against smallpox i've had the the scar inducing one as a child one of the last generations of people to get those and i've had the oral polio that or not polio, oral, oral um oral um smallpox vaccine uh, as an adult or no wait no it's not it was not oral so they still do a jab with that my mistake i'm thinking oh. of uh, polio yeah all this monkeypox is is just a weaker variant of smallpox anyway. I was vaccinated for smallpox a long time ago, so I'm quite sure I don't have anything to worry about. And I've already read you, you're yeah. uh, smallpox vaccinated. You don't really have to worry about it. And also, yeah, well, it's it's not the same as 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 as, as um as smallpox, but it's in the same family and they're it's close enough. They, so like, for instance, if you had chickenpox, it's not going to protect you against monkeypox. If you've, if you've had the vaccine for chickenpox, it's not going to protect you monkeypox. At least we have no evidence of that. We do have evidence that the smallpox vaccination does give people immunity from monkeypox. And uh, anyway, so it's just, but the problem is that we just have government lying to us. New York and California already declared public health emergencies over monkeypox. This is ridiculous. Um, you know, we have more cases of influenza. We're going to declare a public health emergency because of influenza. We have more cases of chlamydia in this country than we have freaking monkeypox. Well, maybe we should declare, you know, actually chlamydia is a public health crisis, but no one wants to talk about it. <laughs> No, the the real the real epidemic, of course, is uh, is diarrhea of the mouth right there. That's the yeah. real epidemic. Yeah, well, there's the lies. Am I wrong? No, not at all. I don't know if you saw this this past week. Jacinda Ardern, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, basically, I'll I'll try to paraphrase this. Said because they were talking about COVID. She says we are the only source of reliable information. You should not listen to anyone else. Go to our website and gave the government website, which I always like to say is is um, kiwi.bs.nz for New Zealand. Kiwi.bs for bullshit and uh, New Zealand. Um, so what they're basically saying is that um, pay no attention to epidemiologists, pay no attention to researchers, lab technicians, no medical practitioners, no scientists, no historians, no linguists, no subject matter experts, and anything. Anything that you need only we a very small bureaucracy number of people in a tiny little podunk country in new zealand are the experts you should only turn to us to get your information about covid because only we know really a country that's had a few thousand cases of covid shut up you're just parrots repeating what you've heard that's what you're saying um and and i don't trust the new zealand government as far as i can throw them by the way um the media carry the water for these frauds just this week abc news another new zealand reopens fully for tourists that's a lie that's a lie. Just like the United States, New Zealand discriminates against international travelers. If you don't have their spicy cough jab, you can't enter New Zealand. That's not open for tourism. That's not open to the public. That is open to people who conform to their Nazi standards. The same for the United States. If you're not a U.S. citizen or green card holder and you don't have the jab, you're not getting in this country. This corrupt Biden regime needs to end that nonsense. How many lives have they saved in the COVID? Not one. They can't prove a single life. But I can show you tens of thousands of Pennsylvanians, New Yorkers and New Jerseyans who are dead. Because these morons, Tom Wolf, Murphy, and Governor Touchalot in Albany sent COVID patients into our nursing homes, killing our parents and grandparents by the tens of thousands. 75% of the fatalities in the state of Pennsylvania for the first year when they locked us down, telling us it was deadly, were people in nursing homes with compromised immune systems who were exposed to this nasty virus from China because the Chinese didn't stop it themselves and they were killed by these criminals who still sit in office. Except for Governor Touch a lot. He had to resign for his sexual foibles. <laughs> yes, yes. Indeed. <clears throat> there goes my voice. <laughs> it's back. Yeah. <laughs> but um no, so um yeah, just yeah, get back get back, of course, to what we were originally talking about, though, because we definitely one thing leads to another. Mm. Um 
You know, I'm I'm listening to uh, Julius Malema, and he's so you know as if he's trying to make himself look like he's the goody goody two shoes. He's done nothing wrong. This that blah blah blah. Trying to put put all the blame on uh, Cyril Ramaphosa, which you know I I'm no fan of uh, of Ramaphosa, but uh, come on is is uh, really. Every everything that uh, Julius Malema is trying to push on him, just there, there's holes in that bullshit. I mean, c- come well, on. Well, look, Ramaphosa is, is is an abject failure. He's a stooge. He's about as bright as a thirty watt light bulb, and I'm being generous. I upped it from a uh, twenty watt because I'm being generous. Well, he's smarter than Zuma, but still. Well, Zuma is illiterate. Um, he's a president <laughs> who's illiterate. A man who was tried for rape of the daughter of one of his so-called liberation buddies. He raped her. And then in his trial, he defended himself because they tried to make the point that, you know, don't you realize she was HIV positive? He goes, it's okay. I took a shower. Yeah. Well, yeah. He, uh-huh. Okay. We, we That's the kind of intelligence we're dealing with here. Yeah. So, yeah, he's he's pushing this all on, uh, on Ramaphosa. Right. As if, as if he did nothing wrong and, and the, the EFF is going to make this right, of course. The, and then now the, yeah, the EFF has nothing. All that they have is theft and destruction and undermining the very basis of economic development. And, so their, their grand plan is nationalization of mineral resources so that the government controls it. We've already seen what the government of South Africa does. Whoever runs it, they steal. They pilfer. They're 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 a professional racketeering organization, the African National Congress. So turning over the land and the resource under it to the government is going to lead to a collapse of the economy. Nobody's going to invest. The government doesn't have the money to buy new mining machines, develop new mining technologies, dig for the gold in the Rand, which is now so deep that the temperature is over 100 degrees where they're mining it at the bottom and they're barely getting anything left of it. That's it's going to collapse. And the other solution is expropriate the land, take productive land away from people and break it down to tiny parcels and unproductive subsistence farming for a country that is a breadbasket for itself and for the region. This is just asinine, and that's a generous description. And the other thing they want to do is they want to race house on race bait. Julius Balema issued a warning, essentially, in that uh, in, in, interview with BBC's Hard Talk, in which he's he's cloaked it in the concept of, well, I'm I'm just giving you an analysis. But basically, he's threatening South Africans. He basically said that the unled revolution, which would be happy to lead, the unled revolution is coming, and the first to go are the whites. They're going to yeah. kill the whites, and that's then the black elites. That. So that's basically just a threat. Now, he, he won't be charged with a crime because he's going to cloak and saying, well, I was asked my opinion of what's going on. I just said this is what's going to happen. We're not involved. We said it's unled. But that make no mistake about it, if you're a white South African, if you're a six year old little white girl born after apartheid whose parents live on public assistance or you live in a swatter camp outside Pretoria, you are a target for rape and murder, according to Julius Malema. And probably, you know, this is more than just an analysis. It's a threat. And make no mistake. This is vile racism of the highest order. The fact that Human Rights Watch, the fact that Amnesty International, the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, High United Nations Commissioner for, for Human Rights are completely silent on this. The European Union, the African Union, Washington, D.C., Paris, London, all of them silent on the racism and abuse of minorities in South Africa is a crime against humanity itself. They are sitting by and watching people become the targets for genocide. And I didn't say genocide's happening. I said become the targets for genocide. And they're doing nothing to stop the language and the vindictive behavior that's leading there. And this is unacceptable. I agree 100%. I mean, ever since, I mean, these farm murders, Mm. have been going on since the 90s 
Well, I mean, they actually been going on longer than that, but but under the NC since the 1990s, yes. Yeah, I mean, the first time I heard about them was uh, before I took any interest in South Africa, which was back, well, maybe 95, 96, when there was a documentary on, uh, so, I don't know if it was ABC or whatever, about the crime rate rising in South Africa. I was about 21 years old, and I'm, I'm watching this, and, uh, of course, they're talking about uh, how how there's always theft and there's shootings, what's going on in places like Johannesburg or Durban or Cape Town or what. Then uh, they cut to, about to cut to a commercial break and said the worst is yet to come. I'm mm. like, okay, well, what's next? And then they come back from commercial and they're t- they start talking about what goes on on a farm. And I'm like, wow, you know, and um, then all of this resurfaces recently after, you know, I mean, once, uh, I took an interest in the South African MMA fighters when I was doing uh, the Badlands Combat Sports Radio Show, and um, you know, so so these these things have been going on for a while, and and that they were pretty bad when they were talking about them back in the '90s, but uh, they have gotten more creative with the way they do these farmers uh, since then, and. Uh, it hurts. It, it it's makes me angry when when I read what has happened. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, Colonel. I I have uh, Ernst Root's book, and I'm sure you do too. And that was so tough for me to read. Yeah, here's the thing. Um, in the post-apartheid era. This is a problem from the very outset, and they knew it. Now, the ANC simply dismissed this by saying one of two things for several years, up to about 2007, they got away with this. Well, it's just, you know, uh, farm workers have been mistreated, as if being mistreated is a justification for murdering someone. It's not. Um, and first off, that's also awful, almost always entirely false. The government sets the labor price rights, or labor prices, and the farmers pay the legally mandated wages at a minimum. So if people are unhappy with the wages, then they can blame the government for setting the minimum wage at a level that's not subsistence level. So that's one thing. The second thing is that um, they say, well, you know, it's just uh, people who are angry because they've been wronged by the farmers. It's just a couple revenge killings. That doesn't explain the over 4,500 people have been murdered uh, since 1994. And that's probably a conservative estimate at this stage. Also, we're talking about people who aren't even farmers. People living in rural areas and farmsteads like uh, former famous British celebrities who are raped and murdered. Uh, a, an equestrian um, horse racer uh, is brutally raped and murdered. And then it also doesn't account for the fact, two more things about this. It doesn't account for the fact that um, many of these farm murders, its entire families, they take the children, tie them up, the wife tie them up. They rape the father and torture him in front of his family. Then they rape the children in front of the parents, rape the wife. Um, they take children, they put them in bathtubs, infants, and they drop oh, uh, they drop they drop um hair dryers in there to electrocute them. They've dismembered children alive, they have cut the throats, and beyond that, the horrific terrorist uh, approach to it. Now, not all these murders result in that. Some are just a straight out murder. People are shot or, you know, or run over, killed or burned alive. Uh, but then beyond that, we have video footage from security cameras of multiple farm attacks in which they show up, dress smartly, like undercover police. I'm not saying they're undercover police, but they dress like undercover police, body armor, holstered weapons, new weapons with cell phone jammers, 
wire cutters to cut through the electric fence and disconnect things. This is not random. It's not revenge by some unhappy. Most of these are run by criminal syndicates and I suspect have ties to the government. And that's why they get away with it. Well, you know that 25,000 sidearms from the South African police are unaccounted for having been stolen from police. 25,000 in a country with only 170,000 cops. How is that even stolen my ass no 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 well i mean those ones those are the ones reported there's also weapons there's cases of weapons from from police officers that have been rented out to criminals we have cases when cops guns and in, in you know in a um in an officer involved in shooting their 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 ballistics are checked and they turn out that they're actually guns that have been used in murders and of course the cops didn't do it someone rented their gun out when it was locked in the armory and it was used in the commission of a crime it's, so it's 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 beyond the pale here and it's not random. It's not It's not coincidental. And it's not the stuff they make out to be. Now, this is exactly what was going to happen, I predicted, when they removed the commandos back in the early part of this century. The commandos, of course, were a historical reserve unit that was activated on weekends, sometimes yeah. during the week. Yeah. They would do they would do cordon sweep, sweep operations. They would do search and rescue. They would do um, interdiction. They stopped a lot of drug trafficking. They also served as a deterrent so that people didn't attack farms in particular. Uh, the other piece of this, too, is I said, you know, they're killing white farmers today. They will kill colored Indian and black farmers and it'll come to that stage. In the meantime, the government ignores it, says it's not a priority crime. It's not terrorism. It's not organized crime, which is a lie. The evidence shows completely opposite of that. They're intentionally neglecting it because they want uncertainty over land. They want farmers driven off land so they can steal the land and give it away as patronage for themselves. And they don't care about the damage it does to the to the food security or what it does to the security of the nation or the human cost in the terms of the people who farm this land for over a century. Well, let's not forget, too, another quote of stupidity from Julius Malema saying that uh, we don't need farmers. We can buy food on the Internet. I don't know that Malema said that. He might have, but there are members of the ANC, I know for a fact, that have said, what do we care about the farmers? I get my food from checkers, which is like Kroger's or Safeway. I mean, the the, the total disconnect from morons who know nothing about how the world works, talking about they get their groceries from a grocery store, so we don't need farmers. It's beyond stupid. No, this is this is. This is all intentional. So last year or late 2020, we had a black cattle farmer who bought his land, was raising beef cattle, um, and he sold meat at his, he's got his butchery there. He sold it and um, they came in, they robbed him. He gave them the money. They shot him in the head, spent six months in a coma in the hospital, came out of the coma, went back to his farm, died about two months later from complications from the injury to his brain. But he's black. He was murdered. Uh, we had an Indian woman who was four months pregnant on the, the Ayub farm in KwaZulu-Natal near the town of Venin, which has a tragic history, the name for it. But um, she's four months pregnant, two kids in her bedroom. They break into the farmhouse. They got the husband tied up in another room. Um, they grab her and they take her into the bathroom, four months pregnant, and take a knife and go from ear to ear and slaughter her like cattle. Indian. Uh, we have uh, Edward Neumeister, a 69-year-old Austrian immigrant who spent five decades living in South Africa, who goes out during lockdown when his German-themed restaurant is shut down. There's no money, no customers. He hasn't made business in months. When this guy comes with a uh, machete and he goes to get his dogs and he attacks a machete, cuts him so badly that he drops and he's bleeding profusely. He has a mortal wound. Um, he's bleeding from an artery. And the guy goes into the kitchen where his partner, who's like 65 is at, or 63, is at, and he's about to assault and rape her and you know try to get the money because he thinks there's money there. Edward Neumeister, 69 years age with a mortal wound, has the constitution energy to climb the steps, 
cut up so bad he couldn't see blood coming out of his, uh, his face, goes in and lunges at the guy, which allows her to escape in you know, an anger. The guy cuts him so badly that when his daughter comes from Germany, she doesn't recognize his face. It's unrecognizable from the hundreds of cuts from machete. This sort of sick violence that goes on. No one's been arrested in that case, by the way. No one. Not a single person. And that's that's the thing, though, that we got to wrap this up here shortly because we're about out of time. Um, I, I just want to make this quick statement is do not think that uh, just because we're here in America, and we got this luxury, whatever, this can't happen here because uh, the United States has, has followed this pattern that South Africa has seen to have formed. I mean, that's where pulling down statutes has begun. You know, the, the so-called revolutionary movement and all that has all started there in South Africa, you know, and, don't think for a moment. I I'm very concerned about this with the way things are going right now because I have fa- a family who live in rural areas that uh, you know they have their cattle ranches and whatnot. And what's and uh, last time they had to call the police, it took them the police 15 minutes to get there. Well, that's that's whole the whole part of the problem. If people think this doesn't can't happen in America, they're wrong. It does happen in America. It already happens. People in rural areas are vulnerable. There's no defense around them. There's no police responding in three to five minutes. It could be three to five hours or longer before someone gets out to a place when you've been attacked, assaulted, robbed, raped, or your house set on fire by someone. Uh, we've long had a history. We had a history of this in Kansas, you know, in the, the abolition movement, the Kansas Wars, where John Brown was out there. Innocent farmers, their homes were burned to the ground. Their women were raped. They were murdered. They were shot and executed, hung from trees. And on both sides, the pro and anti-slavery movements did this in the Kansas Wars. We had ranch wars out in the in the mountain states in which they burn ranchers homes and murder ranchers took all their cattle this is not exactly something that's not been in our history before it takes only a little bit of tolerating lawlessness which is what we've seen in our urban areas for the past three years new york letting murderers out rapists back on the street they do the same thing the same day larry crash in philadelphia san francisco the list is endless you steal a thousand dollars you don't go to jail it's not a crime in california we are tolerating lawlessness at an unprecedented level, and it's going to carry over. And when it hits our rural areas, our food security is gone, and the fabric of the society will be destroyed. And people need to wake up now before it's too late. I agree 100%. Well, Colonel, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Um, I know you have an upcoming trip to uh, South Africa. I know anybody who tunes into your uh, your YouTubes uh, can uh, definitely get the info because you're going to have some meet and greets. It's Damn, it's like you've become a celebrity over there, and uh, <laughs> I hope I hope you get there safely, and I hope you have a good time. Uh, before we uh, end the segment, uh, once again, why don't you give yourself a plug? Sure, folks. Um, I'm Colonel Chris White, retired U.S. Army Colonel, 36 and a half years, speaks six languages, uh, undergraduate and postgraduate professor, published author and academic in uh, popular press. And um, I'm an Africanist, uh, former intelligence officer, worked at the Defense Intelligence Agency, National Security Agency with the CIA, the NGA, name it. I've been there. I've done it, worked in eight different embassies in Africa, served in them, plus worked in 34 countries in Africa, multiple conflicts, uh, counterterrorism agent or counter counterintelligence agent. I've uh, all that stuff, but you can come listen to my program on. Uh, uh, look for Chris Wyatt Africa on YouTube, BitChute, Odyssey, or Rumble, but most of the content winds up on YouTube, unless it's too sensitive for the PooTube, and I'll put a little trailer there and say, hey, go over to Odyssey and Rumble where you can hear the full story. Anyway, that's where I'm at. You can find me on Gitter Parlor and on Gab at WMW Chris. And uh, there you have it. Thanks a lot, Billy. Hey, thank you. And there you have the discussion with Colonel Chris Wyatt. Always good talking to him. 
Time to go to our next music set. Coming up, we've got Bad Mary, going to be followed by Gracie Clark, India Morell, Bloodline LTD, and Kelly Rucker. Be right back after this. How dare you and who in the hell fuck do you think you are? You're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we're proper gentlemen, because we always ask, Do you mind if I fart? You really know how to waste a Cialis, don't you? You're abusing my fan. Here's another platitude they jam down your throat. Children are our future. Children are not our future. And I can prove it with my usual flawless logic. (laughs) Children can't be our future because By the time the future arrives, they won't be children anymore, so blow me! (laughs) Yes. As you may have noticed, I always like to present a carefully reasoned argument. Just 
Get the business, work it out, sweat it out like we doing fitness. No attachment, no bull loving. Yeah, I thug him. The way she come back, you'll swear the kid had to drug him. We just touching, no talking. She with the function, just ass smacking. I lick her, she get the suckin'. She wanna control, so I let her ride the pole. Up and down, fast and slow, she know how to play a role. Stress. A woman in position of authority, of control. A woman who is skilled in a particular subject are activities. Mistress.
beyond the end of the road I fly in my dreams in my own little world all right I'm as old as a hill community organizers and campus radicals in Idaho are still up to their dirty tricks, teaching Idaho kids from cradle to college that white people are inherently racist. Now, these left-wing nuts are taking the whole race thing to a whole new level with critical race theory. According to critical race theory, teaching children math, arithmetic is racist. Shakespeare, Shakespeare, racist. Can you say ridiculous? Malcolm X warned against critical race theory. It's very harmful. It's wrong. And the leftist nuts teaching this stuff to our children know it. Join Idaho Freedom Action to put an end to this leftist takeover of education in Idaho. Join the fight against the teaching of critical race theory to Idaho's youngsters. Visit IdahoFreedomAction.org today. IdahoFreedomAction.org X-Point at Night, Real Country Dark. 
You look up at the sky and see everything you've been missing living in the city. You had no idea there were so many stars. No city lights, no traffic noise. You can actually hear your thoughts because you can actually think without distraction. When morning comes, the light breaks over a surreal nine square miles of unobstructed vista. And you think to yourself, this is a good place. It's quiet, it's safe, and it's beautiful. 600 steel-reinforced concrete bunkers sit on X point. They're 80 feet long, 26 feet wide, and have 12 and a half foot high ceilings. The price is $45,000, which is very cheap for what you get and where you get it. In times of natural or national emergency, this is the place you want to be. It's a community, not a commune, and the people there are like-minded. Send an email to brendy at arcmidnight.com and let us connect you with X point. X marks your spot. That's the point. Chaz Mitchell Custom Hats makes and sells custom hats with a Western influence. These hats are not cheesy, one-size-fits-all, except they're not cowboy hat knockoffs. Chaz Mitchell will custom design and build a genuine hat just for you, the way you want it. Chaz will actually measure your head, talk with you about the hat you desire, make it, and deliver it to you. You'll make a statement every time you put on your hat. Originally from Jigs, Nevada, Chaz Mitchell grew up cowboy and alongside his father, Waddy Mitchell. They built their first hats together at a workshop in Elko, Nevada. Chaz recalls his father once telling him, make a hat he would be proud to wear. After years of practice and studying hats and their owners, Chaz knows what makes a good hat maker. It's understanding that a hat doesn't only fit the circumference of the head, but also the personality of the owner. Get in touch with Chaz today, and he'll build you a hat you will be proud to wear. Visit Chaz Hats. That's C-H-A-Z-H-A-T-Z dot com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to announce that Outlaw Radio officially has affiliation with We The People Holsters. If you own a handgun, then you know you need the perfect holster to go with it. We The People Holsters are made right here in the USA by gun nerds who are not afraid to support our Second Amendment. Whether you want Kydex or leather, We The People Holsters has just what you need. We The People Holsters is the preferred option of professionals throughout the law enforcement industry, as well as those serving in the branches of the armed forces. Simply go to www.outlawradioabs.com, go to the store section, and click on the We The People Holsters banner to select the holster that's perfect for you. Don't wait. Get your holster from We The People Holsters today. My name is Rachel, and I live in Londonderry, New Hampshire. As a single mom, I'm very proud of the life I've been able to provide for my son. That's all changing now thanks to inflation. Our rent, our gasoline, our groceries, all through the roof. Senator Maggie Hassan's policies have made things worse. She supported reckless government spending and opposed domestic energy production. Inflation skyrocketed because of it. Thanks to the policies of D.C. liberals supported by Senator Hassan, we're paying the highest gas prices in history and seeing the worst inflation in 40 years. Senator Hassan cast the deciding vote for the spending bill that led to this runaway inflation. Call Senator Hassan at 202-224-3324. Tell her to help stop inflation. Oppose the Senate Liberals' reckless spending plan. Tell Senator Hassan, families like mine are paying the price. Paid for by One Nation www.onenationamerica.org From the bow 
nondescript building in a little hick town. This is Outlaw Radio. I'm not in the mood to deal with you today, you stupid asshole! All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Cold Cock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take a shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, Gear Up, Let's Train, and Neutronics IGF-1, Making Men, Men Again. The songs you just heard, you just heard Kelly Rucker with My Own Little World. Before that, Bloodline LTD with Fist Raised. Before that, India Morell with Mistress of the Night. Before that, Gracie Clark with Whiskey. And starting off the whole set, Bad Mary with Hanging Around. All right. Time to turn the reins over to the icon, Stephen James, for the Steve Solution. Here we go. I don't care who you're voting for, Democrat or Republican, you need to be able to prove who you are. Because what's to stop tons and tons of individuals for whatever party, for whatever office, of registering repeatedly and sending different people into polling stations or the same person into polling stations over and over and over again using different voter registration cards when they've obviously voted fraudulently several times over. This is The Steve Solution with Stephen James on Outlaw Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Steve Solution. I am, of course, your host for this segment of Outlaw Radio, Stephen James, joined, as always, by the founder and CEO of Outlaw Radio, Bad Billy himself. What's going on, brother? Uh, Don't forget, of course, you being the founder and CEO of AOW Productions and Outlaw Radio It's been lately the only show in the last couple of years on AOW Productions, but yeah. And you, that's why I wasn't even going to bring that up, because you're basically responsible for you know keeping AOW alive. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of the, you know, I'm really a figurehead. I have no real power. Yeah. Kind of like Joe Biden. Oh, shit. I can't even stay on a fucking bike. No, but he can sure as hell catch COVID twice. Yeah, it's a special kind of person to catch COVID two different times within what less than a month. And if you're gay, you probably got monkeypox. Yeah, that isn't that the beautiful thing is that saying, "Oh, this is a massive ep- epidemic." No, it's not. I guarantee you, I'm never getting monkeypox because I don't have, you know, skin to skin contact other than maybe a handshake with anybody because well first off let me say it takes you know prolonged skin to skin contact and i don't have prolonged skin to skin contact that anybody that you know has sex with gay males so i'm good i'm not worried about monkeypox <laughs> anyway uh, the topic for tonight's show we had such a good time with me just fucking obliterating things and going nuts and flying off the handle last week that I think we're going to try to make this at least a semi-regular thing, but we're going to continue what we started last week, which is Billy is going to give me a random word or, you know, words. And regardless of whether I like it or I don't like it, I guarantee you, 
I'm going to be able to come up with a rant. So Billy's job tonight is to actually try to stump me into not being able to bitch about something. <laughs> well, I think the first one I'll give you since, uh, you know, it can, it'll, it'll lead to a little bit of seriousness is started out with two words, of course, but made in Taiwan. Oh, Taiwan. Well, made in Taiwan, first off, Taiwan, wonderful country. Uh, unfortunately, under the very heavy oppressive thumb of the Japanese, everybody in the world agrees that Taiwan needs to be free, including the Speaker of the House that's over there visiting right now. But nobody will come out, at least in the U.S. government, will come out and flat out say it because it'll piss off China and it'll fuck up trade relations and everybody's going to get butt hurt. But you know what? Everybody keeps fearing the Chinese. I'll tell you this. Their economy depends on American consumers. So they can get butt hurt all they want. And it doesn't really matter because companies like, you know, Disney, who I can bitch a lot about, has lately said, you know, sorry, fuck China. We don't care. You don't want to, you know, you don't like a scene in our movie and we won't release it in China. We'll take the financial hit. We don't give a fuck. So if everybody stops worrying about China and just says, fuck off, guess what China's going to do? Their economy depends on the world. They are not a self-fulfilling economy. I mean, we're not either, unfortunately, but we could be. Well, you know, you know their economy's going to shit, right? Along with the well, well, COVID took a major hit on their economy and the current shipping crisis, while it isn't as bad as it was, say, a year ago, is still existing. It's a lot harder to you know, get product from there to here. So, yes, they're taking a major hit. At the same time, that's my point is if everybody just says, you know what, fuck offending china if we offend you deal with it because they're not going to stop selling people goods their entire way of life depends on it when there was no trade with china their entire country was basically a fucking very large third world country in the oh. fact that all their citizens were broke which most of them still are and they were starving, which most of them kind of still are. They're not on the verge of dying of starvation, like, say, you know, certain African countries. But without trade, China is fucked. So everybody needs to stop worrying about China. The only reason we're not worried about China is because certain companies... Uh, I'll use WWE as an example because, you know, everybody knows I'm a wrestling guy. They bow down to China because they have a lot of pay-per-view revenue that comes from China and they don't want to lose that. But any company that can take the financial hit from China saying we don't want your product like Disney can or Walmart or Amazon I guarantee you China will fucking bow down. That's all there is to it. 
You know, I I gotta I gotta ask you this though, Stephen. Is uh, as a, as a kid, uh, what were some of your favorite toys as a kid? But like GI Joe's Transformers, what? Uh, you know, um, when I was, I'd say like four to seven, uh, I was a Star Wars action figures junk junkie. Then from like seven to ten, it was all toy guns all the time. Because, you know, running around the neighborhood with your friends, playing toy guns, playing war, playing cops and robbers, cowboys and Indians, whatever the fuck it was. Uh, then after that, I switched completely away from toys into uh, comic books because I'm a huge fucking nerd. And still am. Yeah. But, uh, God, I can remember, though, some of the worst toys that I had had either made in Taiwan or made in Hong Kong written on them. Still do. <laughs> I mean, they're just, you know, cheap consumables that, you know, parents that aren't super rich can buy. And they're also the toys that, you know, when you were seven years old at the grocery store with your mom and you were saying oh look at that buy me that buy me that buy me that because you know it looked cool in the package you didn't know it was a cheap piece of shit because they don't sell good toys at the grocery store but okay. i mean that's the market the, the whole you know really uh entire asian infrastructure as far as consumables is mostly cheap shit Oh, of course, uh, you know, I went to a uh, flea market in, in uh, yeah, when I was in South Carolina. And I uh, remember I buy myself a little samurai set for about $25. And, of course, it's uh, cheap metal made in China. Yeah, that wasn't designed for use, Bubba. That was designed to display to, you know, First off, make chicks think that you're a, a man-child and make your buddies go, fuck, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. However, it did have somewhat of a of an edge on the sword, but... I to, yeah, I to, but it wouldn't hold and you could sharpen it a billion times and that edge is not going to stay more than, you know, one cut through a piece of paper for the most part. But I they mean, look cool. Yeah. Because I, I had a set too and I... I think I spent about the same price. <laughs> I, I spent like 20, 25 bucks. And they looked awesome, though, you know, up on my wall because it came with that little shell thing that you could, you know, drill into the wall. And they look badass. <laughs> Just don't ever try to use them. All right. So, so moving on, I guess, uh, I guess the next word is going to be uh, Putin. Say that one again. Putin. As in Vladimir? Yes. Ah, uh, one of my favorite guys. First off, you notice this motherfucker is not showing up shirtless everywhere anymore. I very much believe the rumors are true. This man has some kind of, you know, health issue that's going on. He's not going to last you know, too much longer, although, you know, people have been saying for 10 years or whatever that he's going to die. But on the other hand, I don't know if that health issue is literally rotting his brain out mentally because there is no point 
for him or for Russia, that matter, to be invading Ukraine. It doesn't do them any good. It makes them pariahs for the entire world, with the exception of China, to bring that back around to the first statement. But the man has all the money he's ever going to need. The Russian system is so corrupt that it may not show up on paper, but the man probably has as much money, if not more, than Bill Gates. There's no point into anything he's doing. I think he's got something that's rotting his fucking brain out. He's gone completely insane. The fact that we, we're hearing news stories that he has, you know, a person on his staff that goes with him on international trips that collects his feces because he's that goddamn paranoid. What the fuck kind of person is this? And why are the Russian people remotely standing for it? Okay, I didn't hear anything about that. But, uh, oh, yeah, that was that was big news like three or four weeks ago. Uh, okay, that moves on. Gates. Oh, hmm. Billy Boy. Gotta love him. That son of a bitch. First off, how the fuck are you going to A, be that rich and I mean, sure, yeah, he gives to some charities and all that shit, but at what point do you become so fucking rich and powerful that you don't look like a complete douchebag that you're not doing more to literally help mankind. Oh, yeah. He, you know, sunk some money into, you know, COVID vaccines. Maybe because there's microchips in there. I don't know as far. I, I, I choose not to believe that portion of the conspiracy theory. But then again, I also didn't get a vaccine, so I don't care one way or the other because my ass ain't shipped. But literally, how can you sit there in your ivory fucking tower and pass judgment on anybody when your ass ought to be out there writing big ass checks to whatever fucking cause you want to help this world? At some point, when you are that goddamn rich, you have to do something, because at the very least, you look impolite. He's sitting on more money than him, his ex-wife, his children, his children's fucking great-great-great-great-grandkids could ever fucking spend in their lifetime, and his net worth fucking basically doubles every goddamn year, and yet he does really fucking nothing. He's a goddamn Harvard dropout that never invented anything. He bought a fucking program from Xerox, renamed it, sold that shit, made a bunch of money, and hired a bunch of smart people that made him look good, but he never really fucking did shit. Well, I'd like to know where uh, he where's his PhD or whatever? Where, where's his doctrine? Because um, the guy can't even fix viruses in his own system. But well, let, me, uh, let me, let me ask you this. How's your zoom working or not zoom uh, zoom? My zoom. Sure. Fine. No, oh, good. Not, not zoom. Like the one we're recording on Z, uh, Z U N E. 
Z oh, I don't I don't know. Yeah, nobody else knows either because that shit didn't fucking work. That was their answer to the fucking iPod. <laughs> oh my goodness. Back when MP3 players were a thing before, you know, everything was just on our phones. Okay, I know it's supposed to be one word, but I, I got to throw a full name at you because, uh -oh. or, or you won't know who I'm talking about. And somebody I do not like at all, but Alex Jones. Jason motherfucking Renfro. Oh, wait, sorry, wrong guy. <laughs> <sighs> you know, on one hand, I'm going to give Alex Jones some credit. He is in incredibly charismatic and he has a vast fan base and i'm sure he makes tons of money and uh you know as a fellow fat guy he's not afraid to take his shirt off which i gotta say i can't compete with that because i'm not taking my shirt off and i'm not as fat as he is but quite frankly he is one of two fucking things he is absolutely out of his goddamn fucking mind with these weird-ass fucking conspiracy theories and his screaming and yelling. And yes, I know I'm going off on a rant here, but I don't scream and yell the way that fucking he does. That's just, I don't get, first off, I don't know why he does it. Secondly, I don't know why the fuck his fans like that shit. It's simply annoying and, yeah, occasionally he throws out a good point, but good God, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? And what the fuck are wrong with his fans? And I'm sure, and I hate to insult our fans, because I know there's a certain percentage of our fans that are also fans of his, and my aim is never to piss off our fans, but I'm also not going to fucking lie to anybody. This guy is either totally off his fucking rocker or he's playing a character that's off his fucking rocker to make money off of people that are into that shit. And if that's the case, the people that like him are fucking stupid and he's a goddamn genius, but I also would like him dead. Well, I don't, I got uh, one thing that I do like about him is when, he got in the face of Piers Morgan. It will be 1774 or, or 1776 again if you try to take our guns. You know, I did like that. For the most part, you know, I disagree with Piers Morgan on his stance as far as guns in America. Um, you know, I lie somewhere much like you do, I'm not insanely right-wing, and I'm not insanely left-wing on guns. I'm very much in the middle. Yes, I want my guns, but I'm all for responsible gun ownership, so I'm good there. So I don't particularly care for Pierce Morgan's stance on guns. Gotta say, I agree with a lot of what Pierce Morgan says. I think he's a good guy. <laughs> we disagree on some shit, but you know, decent oh, no. guy. He, he's changed a lot. Um, there's just when it comes to Alex Jones, though, there he came out with a video, and I I wish I could find it. Um, but he can, I'm, I'm tired of talking about this man. Uh, fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, fuck Donald Trump. It's like, oh, yeah, well, that was then. This is now. And you know, no, now no, no, that's what he, he said. This oh, was that, that is he now? I don't, I don't keep up with him. 
because, quite frankly, he gives me a goddamn migraine every fucking time he opens his mouth. Well, he's, like, he's, he's like that fucking mad money idiot on uh, CNBC that, you know, fucking does the stock shit where he starts smashing shit with a baseball bat. He's the fucking conspiracy theory right wing nut job version of that guy. And I fucking hate that guy, too. <laughs> yes. Uh, so uh, moving right along here, I. I don't know. Some people say I can sound like Alex Jones, but uh, yeah, I don't hear because you don't sound like a douchebag. So yeah, ain't that the fucking truth? <laughs> uh but uh, oh, I do, hold on. I do like the fact that he actually. I can't believe I spaced this in my rant. He actually, you know, was in court and being sued over the whole Sandy Hook thing. Yeah, and thank. God, that court is going to hold him accountable. He was found liable. He's going to have to pony up some cash. And he had to fucking admit on the stand that he was fucking lying. Good. <laughs> Love that shit. So if you're an Alex Jones fan, guess what? Your hero is a fucking douche. Sorry. Need to throw that out. Anyway. Uh, so so let's, uh, let's take it the entertainment Side now because we we covered some politics. Uh, Crease. Oh, god damn! I love that show. Where do I begin with Cobra Kai? I know we've discussed this a few other times before, but I'm sorry, but right now I'm in that fucking love period with Cobra Kai. That I was in, like you know, season. Uh, what? When did Deegan premiere on Walking Dead? Twenty sixteen. I mean, which season? Seven. Seven. That's where I am with Cobra Kai. I was so fucking enamored with that entire show. I lived and breathed it before any season premiere. I rewatched the entire season, which by the way, I'm not even caught up on the current season. Not that I, I still love the show. I'm just, I can't seem to find the fucking time. Uh, speaking, speaking of which too, uh, real quick, um, the actress who plays uh, Pamela Milton, who is the, she's basically the governor of the Commonwealth. Yeah. The, the actress that, that played her apparently was in a severe car crash with third-degree burns, so uh, may she recover. Oh, wow. Um, remind me after this. Uh, sorry, but the next one is going to have to be uh, actresses that were in car crashes today as we're recording this that suffered severe burns and I'll explain that in a minute. And by the time this airs, most of the listeners are going to know what I'm talking about. But that being said, John Kreese. Oh my God. Much as I love this character, how fucking greedy and stupid are you that you got basically everything you wanted, but you let your fucking ego and your fucking PTSD shit from Vietnam that you never got any kind of help for ruin your entire fucking life 
Then you manage to get it back also to get the help of your fucking millionaire friend who could have fucking made you yourself a millionaire by franchising your goddamn studio out, but you wanted to be a little bitch and push him over the line when he simply would have just fucking given you money to franchise the shit out and you could have made millions of dollars, but instead you wanted to fucking be a petty little asshole and make a karate rivalry the focus of your life rather than moving the hell on and becoming rich, comfortable, powerful, influential. But no, you wanted to be a fucking dick. Guess what? Now you're in fucking jail. Good luck with that. All right. Oh, let's let me think here. Well, uh, I, we got I, I did ask you to mention the actress thing because I wanted to bring this one up. So quick impromptu one. Uh anybody that has uh clicked on their Google News in the last 24 or so hours found out that earlier today, uh what is what is the date today? Uh the fifth. The fifth. Right? Uh yeah, actually fifth. When this airs, it'll be the sixth, but yeah. Right, but as we record, this is the fifth. Nutjob Hollywood actress Anne Hayes is currently in the hospital with some massive burns after she was driving her car around at massive fucking speeds, possibly drunk, don't know that for sure, don't sue me. First, she crashed her car into a garage at an apartment complex in Los Angeles, then drove away from the scene of that accident, and I saw the video of her speeding through a residential neighborhood doing like 80 miles an hour through literally suburbs and then crashed her car into a house, catching the car on fire, suffering massive burns. This bitch is fucking crazy. Would somebody put her in a fucking asylum before she hurts somebody that's not her because she the way she was driving anybody that saw this video this bitch could have fucking killed somebody damn yeah uh, when we're done recording go to TMZ you'll see the video it's fucking great all right so that was sorry sure. that was a quick interlude so we got time for one more got time for one more and what's it gonna be uh, what's it going to be? All right. So going to the, uh, walking dead universe. Ooh, and this was something I like, so I can bitch about it. Dog. Really? You're going to make this one difficult. Man. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> First off, what the fuck is wrong with this goddamn dog? A, number one, his name is Dog. Now, by the way, Daryl didn't name him. It was uh, Daryl's lover. I did not, I'm, I'm not yeah. bitching about Daryl. What kind of lack of imagination does that bitch have that she can't fucking give her fucking pet a name? I mean, Jesus, she wanted to you know, do some variation of Dog. She could have used the Cherokee word for Dog, which... I swear to God, I'm not fucking with you, at least as far as I know. 
when I was with the Sheriff's Department, it was in the Cherokee Nations, dealt with a lot of Indians, sorry, Native Americans, don't want to offend anybody. And if you're offended, you know, please go fuck yourself. But literally, the uh, as far as I was told, and maybe I'm being made an asshole on this, but the Cherokee name for dog is Dioji. <laughs> I'm not making that up. And maybe it's a joke that, you know, all the natives in the Cherokee Nation tell the white people that is definitely a possibility. But I was told by very many different sources who are not connected other than the fact that they're members of the Cherokee Nation that, yeah, a dog, the native word for, or the Cherokee word for dog is Dioji. Hmm. How the fuck they came up with that, I don't know, but it's interesting. But what kind of lack of imagination does this bitch have? And secondly, what the fuck is wrong with this goddamn Dioji that it just, you know, follows, you know, Daryl around and does whatever it's not acting it's well first off he acts like the best trained dog in the world except when it's important then it is the least well trained dog in the world I don't get that shit not to mention okay I get it Daryl didn't name it but goddamn Daryl you won't groom yourself but groom the fucking dog <laughs> Jesus that thing is such a mangy looking mutt I can only imagine you know biting walkers and all that shit how bad that dog's breath smells and quite frankly how is Daryl managing everybody's fucking you know starving how do you keep the dog alive oh, that, that dog's been eating walker flesh Okay, well, now I just want that uh, you know, clip of uh, Bob, you know, screaming, tainted meat! Because, <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Uh, that's that's it for, for now, though, Stephen. Uh, okay, Good, I get so, to end on tainted meat. <laughs> tainted meat! <laughs> I've been dead! Some of the Greatest overacting ever, thanks to uh, God. What's uh, Bob's name? I don't remember. That was uh, something, uh, not Clarence Gillard, but uh, something Gillard. I, I, I don't know. I'm horrible with names, so sorry. But that was some of the greatest, worst, best overacting I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> That's some Nicholas Cage level shit right there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the. Uh... What's the number you see below there, just below uh, your screen? 937. Yo, bitch. <laughs> or, if no. you have questions, comments, just you know, want to uh, tell me how much you hate me, go ahead and uh, dial up, leave me a voicemail. Might even get played on the show. Uh, if or wait a minute. It was eight, area code 832. My bad. Oh, 832. Yeah. Sorry. I don't yeah. remember my phone number yeah. half the time. So 832, yo, bitch. Uh, Make it interesting, and we'll play it. All right. And that's going to do it for this edition of Outlaw Radio. On tap for next week is yet to be determined. We're going to end the show with Albert Frost and Devils and Gods. Thank you very much for tuning in to Outlaw Radio, 
and I'll be back next week. Are you tired of modern pop music that sounds like a dog fucking a squeaky toy? Well, that's why you're listening to Outlaw Radio. We tell bad bed music to piss up a rope. We give you our opinions, and if a fight breaks out, so fucking what? This is Outlaw Radio. Here. Do you own a business or perhaps you're in a band? 
or maybe you run a radio show or podcast. Whatever you do, you want to market your brand with custom-made apparel. Look no further than fresh-baked tees. T-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, caps, beanies, koozies, banners, and even masks. You can get them all custom-made from Fresh Baked Tees. Prices are reasonable and negotiable. Simply go to freshbakedtees.com, submit your logo, and place your order today. Support Outlaw Radio and friends and buy some cool stuff in the store section of outlawradioabs.com. Get Outlaw Radio t-shirts and hats. In the CTM store, a service of Caravan to Midnight, find items to help make your life easier and better, including the new Eden nutritional support system. Check out We the People holsters, made in America by gun nerds who are not afraid to support and stand up for their Second Amendment rights. Click on the We the People holsters banner in the Outlaw Radio store. Get the best night sleep in the whole wide world and more with Mike Lindell's MyPillow pillows and other products. Click on the MyPillow banner in the Outlaw Radio store use promo code OUTLAW and save up to 66%. Visit My Patriot Supply and purchase buckets of food with a 25 year shelf life. In the Cranked Up Coffee Shop, a service of Cranked Up Live. Entertain your taste buds with coffee that even the aficionados love. Visit OutlawRadioABS.com and click on the store link. A service of Outlaw Radio and AOW Productions. You've heard the phrase, America's most loved brands. And what exactly did our loyalty to some of those most loved brands get us? I'll tell you what, money and lots of it. For organizations and their ideologies that directly conflict with American core values and the American way of life. Enter Etruzu.com, a place for patriots to buy and sell. You can open your own online store for as little as $25 per month and grow your business as big as you want. Buy from patriots and sell to patriots. Everything from ordinary household items to absolutely anything that's available from companies that do not have our country's best interests at heart. With Etruzu.com, you know who you're buying from and you know who you're selling to. Let's make your brand one of America's most loved. Get started at etruzu.com. E-T-R-U-Z-O-O.com. Etruzu, a place where patriots buy and sell. We are proudly sponsored by One of a Kind Art 43, created by professional artist Tammy Blackman. Tammy offers free consultations and will customize your art piece to fit your needs. Each of her pieces are, as the name suggests, is one of a kind because each are personalized pieces and once she is done, there will never be another. If you are interested, go visit Tammy on her social media pages, Facebook and TikTok by searching One of a Kind Art 43, where Tammy broadcasts her work as she's making custom tumblers or canvas art for another satisfied customer. You can always reach out to Tammy through her email at oneofakindart43 at gmail.com or call 409-234-5156. Although the prices vary, the quality is unmatched. Again, her social media pages are one of a kind with underscores between each word, followed by the word art and the number 43. Thank you again, Tammy, for another presence on this show. 
Hi, it's the Big Voice Guy. The one who intros and promos the show you're listening to right now. Hi, my name is Jim Hunt. I voice for a growing list of internet and terrestrial radio stations, podcasts, and businesses. I'd love to spread the word about yours, too. No matter if the message is serious or silly. Whether you want the delivery to be hard-hitting, voice of authority, or conversational, warm, and fuzzy. From fully produced station imaging and commercials to custom phone system messages on hold and IVR prompts, voiceovers for computer games to narrations for presentations, even post-production audio editing and audio cleanup services. Yeah, I do them too. I'm your guy. I do business as Jim Hunt voiceovers and audio services. My rates are reasonable and negotiable because I love internet radio too. Visit my website, jimhuntvo.com. I'm Jim Hunt, at your service. Put my voice and audio production skills to work for you. Let's do this. You have been listening to Outlaw Radio. Be sure to leave your feedback by calling 208-957-7016. All feedback is played and replied to on the show. Visit our official website at outlawradioabs.com. Outlaw Radio is a presentation of AOW Productions. Well, I'm like a hurricane coming, baby.